When the history books are written about 2020, the narrative will be controlled by the victors, as is always the case. The counter-narrative, as much as is possible, will still exist, but only be whispered in the dark corners of society. The truth, however, has an enduring appeal to those that are curious, and just like the ancient hieroglyphs of Egypt contain a record of a once great civilization, the internet today serves as the electronic time capsule that helps future generations learn from the mistakes of the past. For our special 200th episode, we here at Myth take on the task of decrypting this year of mass hysteria and hopefully offer some light in the sea of dark and dreary lies. Well, I'm not a crook. I burn everything I've got. Military industrial contract. A new world order. We are here to destroy the control of the industry of other people. I did not trade arms for hostages. It's been nine billion. The bully has been the most successful. Me, the father, Welcome. This has been quite a year. If you've made it this far, congratulations. Uh, we're going to uh, spend the next two to three, possibly like last year, four hours going over one insane trip around the sun. Uh, but we are joined by a full crew and guest co-hosts that were have been on our year in review shows for the past uh uh, two, I think two, maybe even more than that years, uh, Borzoi and Titus. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming on. Um, how are you? Always be glad to be back. Uh, did this year even happen is the question I have. I don't know. Elon thinks it's a simulation, and I'm starting to wonder if he's right. Elon Musk is also a retard, so there's also that to configure. Oh, uh, whisper. Happy to be here. He said some good things this month, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, talk about his cock on Twitter. He's like that feeling when you have a big cock or something like that. I don't know. I got to say, like for all the people in Silicon Valley, he he is a cut above in terms of just uh, being being just being different. At least he's not, you know, pro. He's not a reptile. Homo, you know, sex, uh, not, uh, I mean, he just doesn't really want to bring it up. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to more Elon stuff, but just wanted to, uh, to say, um, the simulation is no longer a, uh, an insane notion to me. So I've got nine stories to start us off. Uh, the way we do this is we go through each month. It's sort of going to be. Uh, some months are going to way outweigh others, so we can kind of skip maybe a couple, but, uh, January, before we get into the the big stuff, which everybody already knows about, we'll just start it off with a a few reminders that there wasn't, uh, 
you know, nothing but COVID and, and riots and stuff. So in January, uh, and I'll go through these real quick, then you guys can just take whatever sounds interesting. Uh, Michael Bloomberg um, said, if I guess if he's president, this is back in January, mind you, that he would require all new cars to be electric vehicles by 2035. And mind you, this happened actually in California a few months uh, after this. Uh, so this seemed to be a democratic uh, plan uh, if you want to get conspiratorial. Uh, also moving along in the election candidacies, uh, Dave Chappelle endorsed Andrew Yang for president. Uh, what happened to Andrew Yang? Uh, let's see. The uh, New York running for, Yeah, he's running for mayor of yeah. New York City now. No, brother. The next Bloomberg. <laughs> does, yeah. does anyone remember when he was like spraying whipped cream into some dude's mouth on his knees? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you $1,000 if you swallow my cream on camera. It's like very creepy. Yeah, that's uh, Yang proved the problem of having ironic memes is that eventually you're dealing with an actual candidate who mm, is Reddit, not irony. So you can't really work with that. And yeah. also maybe an agent for the Communist Chinese Party. I don't know. There's something strange about he, he looks like the guy who founded Zoom. I mean, you know, it's the cliche to say they all look the same. But I mean, it's just it's just funny how these people seem to be increasingly finding their way into uh, the governments, whether indirect or direct, uh, make of what you will with. Thang, I, I, thang ironically thang, enough, I, ironically enough, I would have been a, a full throated supporter if he actually spoke like a stereotypical Chinese man, because I think that would have been <laughs> he spoke hilarious like on in person. Hello, good evening, fellow Americans. You are get a thousand dollars like a real off the boat accent that would yeah. be great yeah raisy american get uh, money to buy cheeseburger yeah hey. oh the opiates that you swallow are so bad i just i wanted to say something real quick yep <laughs> well before we get into the the six million stories in the naked empire uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, Adam, in the introduction, but this is our 200th episode. It is. Uh, we've been Happy doing birthday for uh, a little while now. Boys. Congratulations. Yeah, I yeah. hate my life. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to thank everybody who stuck with us for some I, I know that some people are listeners to the program that have, have been around since the very beginning, and we really appreciate that. And I know we have our ebbs and flows, you know, life life has to continue but we're still here and i am looking forward to another year of of new content so thanks for listening everyone and i i hope you have a happy new year yeah thanks nick yeah thanks for reminding us um it is episode 200 and it has been over four years i don't I, I don't know, even know how to wrap my brain around that, uh, but I've made so I many friends doing this. I was listening to you guys since the uh, Nixon episode, so and the fact that you guys have always been my favorite show, it's always a pleasure and a joy and a privilege to be able to come on your show. Yeah, no, it's been great to meet you guys, and it's uh, it's why I do this, you know, just to meet good people. So, yeah, thank you. Um, all right, all right back you. to the racism against China. <laughs> <laughs> Back to my terrible Chinese accent. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Okay, so we're we're gonna we're gonna go to J Japan now. Uh, this is uh, Deputy Prime Minister Aso. He's he's been sort of a not so secret shitlord for years now, and I've been I had my eye on him. But he said uh, also a previous uh, uh, Prime Minister as well. 
Yeah, and he's uh, he called Japan a nation with a single race. I mean, he's basically you know as anti outwardly anti globo homo as as you can get these days. He's I think apologized, had been forced to apologize for his comments about how uh, you know Germany seemed to be doing pretty well under. Uh, uh, Uncle Adolf, uh, just it just goes on and on. So check out Taro Aso if you've never checked uh, checked out a Japanese politician before. Um, I, I think uh, Titus might know this as well, but Taro Aso is also a huge uh, manga otaku. He's well known for the uh, for his love of uh, manga, and uh, he's These been things go hand in hand. Yeah, things go hand in hand. Can't have one without the other. Big right. fan of Gogo Thirteen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, somebody said creepy before, so this is kind of uh, the tail end of last year where we were focusing on the Epstein saga. Uh, so this is January 2020. Uh, this came out. Uh, the Virgin Islands alleged Jeffrey Epstein trafficked girls as young as 11 uh, as recently as 2018. So that that's that's getting down there. Uh, that's prepubescent guys and gals out there. Uh, and this stuff is uh, pretty much swept under the rug. I mean, you know, whatever happened to Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, that story got dropped pretty quick. So who knows? But just wanted to cap that uh, from sort of coming over from 2019. Uh, let's see. The world, the world will uh, forget, but uh, we on the far right never will. So. Yeah, and, and people, yeah. I, I know people on the left that, that bring it up, but it's so funny because, you know, they think Trump is somehow, uh, you know, the, the villain on all this. It's like, oh, yeah, he was going to Epstein's Island all the time. So it, it, the bias is incredible how people use these stories. Well, earlier this year, I think in January and February, we had the Boy Scouts of America lawsuit and uh, – bankruptcy court proceedings over uh, I think a global settlement due to hundreds of allegations of sexual abuse did anyone I think we already forgot about that I didn't I knew I knew the uh, they allowed girls in but it, that might have been last year I didn't know I that that the news. yeah so what but, was but, the most interesting and I was wait a minute wait a minute this we're, we're allowing um, girls young girls into a male organization and we're having sex scandals gee guys who could have seen that one coming i don't know if well, that's first exactly they, what first happened first they but... let the homosexuals in remember that yes, was a big I do. thing in what like the 90s or mid 2000s yeah it was on. it, it was going then but i think yeah like the 2000 yeah the odds i think it was pushed yeah but then then, then they i think they had they had to deal with bankruptcy recently uh, after all this yeah, crap, the Mormons pulled out. It's basically dead as an organization. Yeah, yeah, so apparently, I didn't realize this until today when I looked more into it, um, there was over a billion dollars in assets that was under their control. How the Boy Scouts of America had over a billion dollars in assets was uh, curious. They had $680 million in stocks and bonds, $55 million in cash, and $102 million worth of property. Which is yeah, I mean, uh, the property like, you know, you, you start a camp in the middle of nowhere circa like 1930 and yeah. you know, 50 years later, that's prime real estate. Yeah, I guess so. And 
you know, anything that just has that number of people involved in it, uh, you know, they've got their intellectual property, they've got their, you know, Cub Scout manuals, they've got uh, their badges and whatever. Like, a billion dollars when you spread it out over, like, however much their kind of annual membership turnover was uh, over however many decades. It's It's a lot of money, but it's not, like, a unusual uh, amount of money for something that's really kind of a household name, uh, you know, given that they're have that amount in uh, just their like, property portfolio and the rest of their IP. Yeah. And, and it's sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but when you, I, I was a boy scout. So when you join, they, they have basically a lock on the sales of the uniforms, uh, all the gear, uh, the sashes, the patches. You got to buy all that stuff. You got to buy a book. You got to pay for uh, membership. You got to pay for the camperies. Uh, so th- it's a business, and I'm surprised they had that many, uh, that much money, or at least uh, on paper that 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 many assets, and they still declare bankruptcy. But they might have been wanting to avoid selling off some of well, their hard assets. Bankruptcy just means like, we're pretty sure that uh, we're going to yeah. get taken to the cleaners by however many of these settlements, like 10 million yeah, bucks here, yeah. 10 million bucks there. And it, it starts to add up. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. So uh, I guess uh, another big one, there's Soleimani uh, from Iran was assassinated by the u.s military you guys remember that that was this year yeah i believe it's january that's wild a lot of people thought that that was gonna i thought that uh that was going to kick off into at least some sort of reciprocal escalation and uh, at least publicly it didn't seem to well i think that the the theory on why it ultimately didn't had to do with certain dynamics within iran um Namely, that Soleimani himself had kind of become a liability for some factions within Iran, people like Rouhani uh, and others who have a different direction they want to take Iran in. Soleimani himself also basically commanded like a private army that was really only answering to him, and he had built it up over the course of 15 years, starting with Iraq and fighting the Americans and really developing it in Syria. So going into 2020, that man had tens of thousands of loyal private Shiite militias. He could kind of deploy wherever he wanted and wherever he saw fit. So I think that the reason why the response was so muted, and I think what what did they do? They basically launched a bunch of missiles at, an, at a base in Iraq and did some damage, and then that was it. Um, it, it was really about taking out a guy that the Iranians themselves weren't necessarily going to cry over losing. Um, but you can also look at it like, honestly, Iran doesn't necessarily even have the ability to do anything to reciprocate if they wanted to. I mean, Iran, they do. They, it's just like, okay, what level is kind of too much like it would be fairly easy, I think, for them to arrange for a carrier or two to end up at the bottom of the Persian Gulf. Uh, I mean, that's you know, literally, there's 
tens of thousands of people where that's their one job is to make sure that that particular thing happens. Uh, the question is sort of what then, you know, it's, yeah. it's always kind of not clear what grand strategic long-term game uh, they're playing other than just kind of waiting out America and maybe we get uh, too decrepit to enforce a uh, sanctions regime at some point in the next 20 years, which to be fair is not out of the question. Yeah. And I, as I recall, they had drafted the, or the Iranians come, they had, they had 13 revenge scenarios drafted as a response to this. Uh, I mean, that's probably their form of, Letting the United States know that if they want to push this, uh, they'll retaliate. But there really wasn't much they can do except try to maintain it, save face by having the hard line on it. Yeah, about things getting really messy. Well, they remember just, there was like a plane that was shot down almost immediately afterwards. Yeah, and that was I think that there were there were apparently um, a lot of Canadians, thankfully, who died. Um, on the plane. <laughs> oh my god! But there, there were also Iranians with Canadian passports or something like that. Yeah, so I the thought theory, it was all like you know Canadian by way of terror. Yeah, that what I had heard, what I kind of inferred from that was that there was in the wake of Soleimani getting whacked, there was some kind of you know small power struggle, and one side was trying to get out and got killed before they could go. I mean, it seems like whatever so the whole Soleimani thing was really about triggered some kind of breakdown in Iran. But I don't think that we got to really see it play out because COVID slammed Iran in March. And yeah. if you think that the U.S. has it bad, Iran has been basically destroyed. I remember them uh, being teetering on the brink of collapse yeah, in March, yeah. April. Yeah, I, I think that everyone kind of kind of forgot about that whole thing. And the Iranians certainly forgot about doing anything about it because their society nearly imploded. I think that Tehran was <laughs> basically yeah, em- emptied out. Everyone out left. Yeah. Pretty weird that a virus would be optimized against the enemies of the Zionist state. That's kind of strange. It's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, there's almost orders of magnitude differences in mortality rates and spread patterns between different countries without a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, good biological or epidemiological uh, explanation, as far as anyone can tell, which could be luck of the draw. Um, if uh, the variance is mostly due to just like certain. Uh, super spreader scenarios that are very spiky or, you know, could could be something else. All right. I got three more short ones, then we'll go to February. So watch this space again. There's sort of interesting patterns in January that reoccurred throughout the rest of the year. But Australia was seeing uh, wildfires uh, that were allegedly uh, caused at least by uh, 180 suspects uh, committing arson uh, in January. And mind you, in the Southern Hemisphere, January is their summer. So that, that makes some sense. But there's a very consistent uh, ring pattern around the coast of Australia uh, where the population centers are. 
and the wildfires that were happening this year in the United States, uh, many suspected arson as well. Uh, all right, another quick one. The uh, U.S. Marine Corps or U.S. MCA, excuse me, yeah, not the Marine Corps. That is the trade deal that replaced NAFTA. I forget what it stands for. Uh, it's poised to get the Senate's okay this week after more panels approved the trade deal. This is between Canada, Mexico, and the United States. I have no idea what's going to happen now. I mean, you know, with this lame duck administration looking like it's not going to make it, um, who the hell knows? I, I think I think Washington basically just wants everybody to forget Trump ever existed. Uh, it became effective halfway through the year this year, so yeah. it's it's done. Yeah, well, doesn't mean it can't be undone. We'll see. Uh, not sure it matters anymore. Uh, and then a quick one in 2019, again, this is sort of the end of 2019 in January, 2020, uh, more Americans went to the library than the movies. And this is even before COVID. So interestingly enough, movies are that bad. It would seem. All right. February. What do I got? Uh, actually this is a tweet from our co-host Hank. Um, the Pentagon seeks to cut F-35s, other equipment to pay for Trump's border wall. Again, wonder how much that's going to happen now. It never really got happening in the last four years. So uh, I'm guessing more pork barrel spending for the defense contractors and less actual national defense on the southern border. That's my take. Anybody have a thought about the wall? What's going to happen to it? It's remarkable how much Trump has just gotten played by Congress and his own staff. Like it's apparent that the Department of Defense has zero respect for the man. They just like openly gloat about like just lying to him outright about how many troops there are in Syria. Uh, like I, you know, in terms of people not in control of their own governments, Trump has to be up there in the top 10 of American presidents. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, apparently, well, apparently he only got 400, around 400 vials done. But the crucial thing was that all but nine of those miles were basically repairing or replacing existing border wall. So yeah. we got about nine novel border wall instances. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if when once the Democrats are in power that they're they'll make a show of trying to tear maybe a little bit of it down, but for the most part they're just gonna let it let it lie fallow and just let it sit there. I don't think they're gonna put that much effort in, in de- dealing with trying to tear the whole thing down. They might tear a little bit down just to as a poke in the eye to Trump, but I imagine what the Democrats will have is just we want to move on to other things. Yeah, probably. And uh, even if they just left it there, I mean, a, a wall with uh, 10 holes in it or even one hole in it is not a wall. It's basically a uh, piece of art. It's, so, I, I anyway, I, I mean, I, I've always said this. Trump, get off your fat ass. Stop eating McDonald's. Go down there with a flatbed full of bricks and some mortar and go lay, lay some bricks yourself. And watch to see how many Americans volunteer their time to help you finish that thing. All you got to do is lay the first brick. McDonald's is pretty based. I got to say, I'm a big fan of McDonald's, but I agree with you otherwise. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he was buying hamburgers for the crew, uh, more the merrier. But 
yeah, I, I just don't get it. I just do not get it. You know, uh, obviously this, uh, this swamp was not going to do what he wanted. So, you know, you got to go to the people, but anyway, um, well, I think, uh, really quickly, I think that in the early days of the Trump administration, there was a proposal. This is back when Paul Ryan ran the house. If you guys remember that person, um, there was a proposal to have something like called Liberty bonds or something like that, where, uh, I think Trump was trying to get it passed where they would create a bond buying program and American citizens could buy bonds and the funding would be immediately directed towards, uh, border security and border wall construction that was killed by the GOP, that proposal to be added into some bill or something like that. But it was effectively, uh, there, there was an attempt, I think by the Trump administration to think of a novel way of doing this and to tap into the popular support for, a wall that he knew he had. And, uh, instead of getting that done, they, uh, they got nothing done. (laughs) Imagine it like, just imagine having to come up with crafty things to secure like your border with a failed state. Like instead of just like, like fuck, like you had a super majority, like in Congress, you don't even need congressional approval. Yeah. Just be like, wow, I have an army. (laughs) <laughs> Turns out we like to have barbed wire around our positions. Like, I don't need any funding authority for that. Like, I'm, I'm digging a fucking trench with men who I can literally, like, command to kill and die if necessary. Like, dig a hole, gentlemen. Fill it with something. Something sharp. <laughs> it's laughable. It's... I, I just, uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I'm considering not even mentioning this, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just mention it maybe one more time. So Mike Bloomberg, uh, the billionaire who got rich off of having terminals on the desks of every financial institution in America. And, uh, Hank's theory is that he, uh, saw all the trades before they happened and front run them and padded his pockets, um, uh, in, uh, in a very possible scenario. But anyway, he had so much money, uh, yet was so uh, apparently unlikable even to the Democrats that he had to actually offer to pay $150 uh, to people, uh, I guess, to like do social media or something for him to say nice things to about do him. Do memes. Yeah. yeah. I hope some of our guys took my advice and applied for the Bloomberg campaign and got in while the getting was good. Yeah. It's an easy 150, right? Um, just copy pasta and send him a send him a screenshot. Uh, all right, uh, Kim Jong Un was the first to enact travel bans after the COVID crisis was beginning to erupt in China. Uh, this is back in February. It took I think until about March for the United States to start doing stuff. But if you recall, and maybe we can get into this in March or whenever we're going to cover COVID, but there was uh, a 180-degree flip, and I'm still trying to figure this one out in my head, but the Democrats were the ones that were against any restrictions. They were like, give Chinese people a hug. Do not uh, be racist. We cannot... Come down to your local Chinatown. You guys know that. Yeah. Yeah. Bill de Blasio uh, telling people to go to Chinatown. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi did the same. So, uh, yep. 
international flights to China are still uh, being recommended not to be done. They're pretty much shut down, as far as I know, from talking to people who fly a lot overseas. Uh, and, you know, domestically, we're all stuck uh, going through TSA uh, times 12, uh, in addition to the 9-11 stuff that has not gone away. So, yeah, flying is horrible. Flying was uh, pretty terrible this year. If anybody uh, has done it, I, I experienced it. It was it was awful. Um, I recommend uh, picking alternate options if you can if you can manage. All right. Um, I, th- no. I think uh, on that point, though. Well, the purpose think- of a plague is to put the boot on the American working class. It has nothing to do with, you know, harming in any way precious foreign populations of colonialists. Right. Of course not. Well, I think that Kim was the first foreign leader to send Trump, like, a letter hoping he, like, got better when Trump actually got COVID. Yeah. You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Say, I hope you get better, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trump got COVID. I remember that. Based, based Kim, the only yeah. Trump loyalist left on yes. the planet. That's right. <laughs> Kim trusts. He, he's a plan trust. <laughs> Dude, I wonder how many QAnon posters are just like North Koreans. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to give this one to Hank because he's the resident legal scholar. The uh, the Ninth Circuit of uh, Ninth Circuit Courts uh, in I think that's in California was restocked, whatever the term is, by Trump. He was able to appoint a few people to get in there, and they have been uh, infamous for overruling. Uh, just about any milk toast conservative uh, ballot initiative in California, uh, they strike it down. There was opposition to gay marriage. They struck it down. There was opposition to giving illegal immigrants welfare. They struck that down. Uh, so Trump was able to get in apparently a few uh, judges. Uh, what say you, Hank? What do you think about the... Uh, long-term effects well, of that. It, it's not trump it's uh it's cocaine mitch of course uh who is yeah. choosing the judges uh some of them are good appointees some of them are not i mean the courts aren't going to save anyone uh there's a few uh based so based judges uh in the ninth circuit either on the appeals court or on the district level um, particularly the one, I forget his name, um, but he's been great on uh, gun cases uh, in California uh, in particular. He got uh, magazines effectively grandfathered, uh, good on him. Um, but uh, the priority of the GOP is just judges that are going to overturn, you know, random labor law decisions and, you know, prevent class action lawsuits and things like that. The fact that they happen to be kind of in the same memeplex that also occasionally gives us nice things is entirely incidental to what they're about. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein, remember him? He was convicted on two counts, criminal sexual act and rape. Weinstein did nothing wrong. Hmm. I mean, nothing more wrong than just the sea that he swims in. But, 
I, I really, I really don't feel sad for like random Hollywood thoughts having regrets literally a decade after the fact. Yeah, the the lack of uh, timing efficacy is is a big uh, question mark on just how bad was it, honey, and why did you let all those other women? go through the same experience for 10 years kind of thing. That's always been my criticism of it. What's, I mean, he should, what, don't get me wrong. Like he should die in the same fireball that the rest of Los Angeles dies in. What's, what's interesting to me is like uh, why that was allowed to happen because he, he was like Weinstein wasn't just like a movie mogul. Like he was, deeply deeply connected with you know democratic politics so i think the more interesting question about weinstein is isn't the fact that 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 he was like allowed to be caught and that was allowed to go forward i mean the story that i heard was that there was some uh internal dynamics uh with some of his business partners including some of his relatives Yeah, his, where, his film like, production he, company lost yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, he loved financing prestige pictures and Oscar winners and all that stuff that doesn't make any money. Uh, and so, you know, if you make a lot of money, it, uh, it lets you get away with a lot more. Also from February, uh, the federal government started investigating Boeing over the 737 MAX problems after they had to ground all the flights in in January of this year. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, Boeing, of course, I think right before Corona was uh, really facing the heat. It seemed like the company was on the verge of collapse. Um, but luckily, they were able to kind of hand wave away all of the problems surrounding their engineering problems and lack of interest in buying their planes. Um, and instead, they were able to say, well, the downturn in our company's performance is due to uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic. And they were able to uh, successfully lobby Congress for a couple bailouts this year. Um, they've, uh, I think Boeing, had, had it not been for the coronavirus, probably would have been dismantled. I think there would have been much more public attention focused on, um, you know, America's premier airline manufacturer or air, air, aerospace manufacturer is um, unable to keep planes in the sky, which was the, uh, I think the central story. They had engineers writing code in India and electrical engineers in central Russia, you know, trying to wire the planes. It was uh, it was a total nightmare, but it all kind of got uh, memory hold due to the coronavirus. And then everyone felt bad for Boeing for whatever reason. And uh, took pity on them with bailouts and um, and so forth. Yeah, obviously after nine eleven, they went through some hard times as well, and it's tough business. Um, I think all air, aircraft manufacturers were facing the same problems, but when you have a company like this that's so large, you you can almost argue it's a natural monopoly because of the the capital intensive nature of aircraft manufacturing. An assembly and it's a sort of a strategic industry and so if you let it go under your nation i would argue is is at a disadvantage um i i have heard from people who have worked with boeing for them in the past and it, it is a giant 
cluster F of bureaucracy. And oh yeah, like the, there's always like four whole threads with 300 posts on like practical machinist about Boeing and literally everyone who's ever worked there says it's in the last 10, 20 years, it's, yeah. it's a giant dump in particular. And, like, it's a miracle that anything even gets in the sky. And there's a lot of the, what they kind of describe as corruption and greed. And a lot of them are not shocked to hear that the, the max was poorly engineered. And there are a lot of manufacturing defects, software defects that, Boeing executives were trying to cover it up and yeah, there, there were a lot of problems that everyone's kind of known about for years and it just finally resulted in planes falling out of the sky one after another. I think that's enough for February. Let's, let's go to March. So this, this is when things started getting strange, but I'll go in order here. So Trump administration erects billboards in Central America telling would-be illegal immigrants to turn back. Well, <laughs> so much for that. Uh, put out another tweet, Donald. Quote, every browser except Brave uh, is it's found, according to Business Insider, shares details of users' browsing history with the companies that own them, along with identifiers that indicate the location or identity of that user. This includes Chrome, Firefox, which doesn't make any sense because they're sort of just just a browser company and safari which is apple uh as well as microsoft edge um uh were and yandex excuse me were ranked as least uh least insecure but chrome firefox and safari were having privacy uh privacy holes with selling or giving your details back to the companies that provide them so fyi why uh, is anyone shocked by that? Yeah. I thought that was like common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I I know. I guess I know. you shouldn't have used your Google. Titus, are you gonna be okay? <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna be fine. It's the, the people uh, looking at my search history that I worry for. So so <laughs> Yeah, as your handler, I'll never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a story about like YouTube moderators who got radicalized? Yeah. By, by, like by <laughs> Or like they were seen, like they were Facebook moderators who yes. like had to seek counseling, <laughs> <laughs> or some of them were starting to to believe what they were seeing as well. There were people who were having full uh, full bore mental breakdowns or doing yeah. drugs because of having to do the Facebook moderation. Yeah, like after the 80th video of Hitler speeches set to like Hans Zimmer soundtracks, <laughs> I think they finally they finally snapped. Oh God, this is really getting to me. Well, maybe he was right. I can imagine right. it's gotten worse as well thanks to uh, Facebook now mostly being Q uh, QAnon boomers now. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah. I, what's the plan, guys? <laughs> I, jeez, I I never got into that, but I, I I'm I'm almost curious to check it out now. It's like, yeah, well, you know, hey, we've got uh, three more days, guys. Like, it's it's still possible. Yeah, and I think somebody was comparing um, these types of uh, Trump supporters to to the Bernie Bros, uh, saying, you know, that this is this is still going to happen. Uh, we still if, got if it. If the Bernie Bros, like, no, I, I like, I gotta say, like, I, and I, I haven't paid uh, a lot of attention or, or at all. Like, I, I see like some people tweet about it, scrolling through the uh, the TL, but like, I have to say, like, some of the stuff that they come up with, it's it's genuinely entertaining. I, I mean, there was uh, 
like they were convinced like three weeks ago that like Chinese troops were in like Nebraska and like were blown up with like a bunker bomb, like like yeah. real like it's it's what it is, is like boomer tiered uh, evangelical evangelical like Christianity mixed with like Tom Clancy Rainbow Six. Yeah. Like that really is from 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 what I can glean pretty much the totality of, of Q-ism. Actually, Hank and I were chatting about this before the show, and it gets even more complex. Like, they, they, this whole year has really been, like, a year that's been great for QAnon because so much crazy shit has happened. You actually want to believe they're right. And a lot of it starts to get really freaky, but seeing, like, their worldview unfold, you realize they live in like a science fiction reality where there's uh, like futuristic uh, wars going on underground in the bowels of the earth uh, between like <laughs> clones, like, like a lot of clones. Too, yeah. Right? Like clone yeah. people and the mole children and then <laughs> the mutants and like the, the, uh, the super soldier Marines and, there's there's a war going on on the surface with uh, Chinese troops. There's also a war going on with Space Force on the moon. Like they live in in a it's like Warhammer. It's just so insane and awesome. I wish I was psychotic enough to believe it because <laughs> it would make my life so much more interesting if uh, if I believed in all the Q stuff. And it's. Just seeing it all unfold is well, the Q, hilarious. The, the Q fallacy, with the religious stuff aside, the Q fallacy is very simple. It's just the belief that there are good actors in, inside the system at very high levels. And I think that the system deliberately encouraged this. And it was an especially useful thing to encourage during the Trump administration because you can turn... Uh, what was a nothing burger into, yeah. you know, the idea that there was some kind of Tom Clancy, as Titus said, Tom Clancy shadow war. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking gay. Well, considering that, like, it started on 8chan, like, I'm utterly convinced this was, or, like, originated from some spook uh, in the agency. Like, 100%. Oh, no. Well, so I remember, like, doubt, they trying to no doubt. They're, the Q people at one point were, like, pointing out that they had some kind of evidence that it was coming from dod servers and i was like yeah you don't say guy <laughs> <laughs> you don't say it's coming right out of the dod i wonder what this means buddy i wonder what that could be yeah ch check out uh for what it's worth uh the film uh shadowgate it came out and was very quickly deleted from alex jones's channel because uh, he got into a, a tiff with uh that ex-reporter that he uh millie weaver i think is her name uh that he used to hire and he fired another uh reporter this year david knight who's been with him for a very long time i do not know the details on that but that came out uh, this month december but we can we can delay just to, talking about that if you a want a quick aside a, a quick aside in in 2020 years, has been good for jones in in, oh, sure. in 40 years when the whole q op gets declassified What's going to be the internal name for the operation? Is it going to be Boomer Whisperer? <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
Project New Age. <laughs> That's good. Because honestly, That's I'm not really the first good. one to to make this comparison. It has there are elements of it. I mean, you said evangelicalism. There's elements of it that um, seem very reminiscent of like New Age conspiracy posting and New Age philosophy and. There's a lot of stuff in the New Age realm, and this is all kind of extinct or dormant now, but they used to talk about the cabal or like the power center, or they would even use the phrase Illuminati. Like it was not – they would use a lot of the same terminology, and they framed it in the same way. Like the children of the light are waiting for their time on earth to defeat the cabal, and of course – this stuff was probably at its most popular online during W. So if you believed like there was going to be some revolution to stop the Iraq war, I guess that was when this was big. Um, and you can see the remnants of this on sites like Project Camelot, which I think might still be around. Nick's familiar with that. And those kinds of like super weird boomer new age conspiracy sites it all has the same hallmarks and a lot of the people associated with that movement were a hundred percent like admitted former federal employees, former high, you know, military officers, former intelligence officers. Like they will come out and say in the like opening lines of their video or whatever, like I'm a former CIA agent and uh, there there's alien submarines 13 miles off the coast of California. And so to me, it's always felt like something very similar at its core. And so I would not be shocked if if it was an op and it gets declassified, if it's just like Project New Age or Operation Pacify, something like yeah. that. Like it's it's going to be something really devious. I think that the other theory on Q... I think it's important to recognize... You want to recognize the fact that the system at times, uh, I, I think most of the time, but past four years in particular and past year especially so, encourages engagement. And that's something I think people should think about a little bit. Yeah, and, and I honestly think that my theory on Q is that it was honestly probably like some low-level staffer who worked for Trump who got in way over his head, which explains why Q no longer actually posts. And most of the... QAnon community or realm um, basically just steadfastly analyze old Q posts. And it's like it's like a hermeticism around three-year-old forum posts at this point. I mean, the guy doesn't even post anymore, is my I, I I'm I think. Like what it what the what keeps this community going and growing, honestly, is just the absolute uh fun of the worldview that they have like it's so awesome i wish i lived in that world it would be rad if there was like an underground warhammer style battle going on right now with vampires and mole children and like we were dropping bunker busters on chinese troops in canada we don't live in a reality nearly that fun. It's extremely yeah. gay. We've all been locked in our homes the entire year. That's the actual reality. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't blame them for looking for some fun, but uh, it's it's definitely become very like toxic at its core, and and giving people a false sense of hope where they really shouldn't have put it. 
So, uh, meanwhile, in Greece, uh, there was another wave of migrants released, almost like uh, almost like the plague, onto uh, onto Greece from Turkey. And this is uh, this is from Erdogan, and the Bulgarians uh, were actually contacted by the Greeks and requested to open literally the floodgates of one of their dams so that they would they would flood uh, the river Evros so that the wetbacks couldn't make their way across as easily as they were uh, the equivalent of the uh, European or the uh, American wetback, the uh, European wetback from Turkey. So this, um, this ongoing invasion is continuing. I've been watching some Nigel Farage this year, and they continue to do it to the UK. I assume it's still happening throughout the rest of Europe. Uh, but uh, just like the media will focus your attention in one area while many other things go unreported, this continues. So just keep that in mind that, uh, that that just didn't stop because we uh, were distracted by the things. Uh, March is kind of when the media also started directing our attention towards COVID. Uh, I got a tweet from Hank uh, comparing this to the late Soviet era after looking at a Fox News screen that says, uh, what to avoid, uh, hoarding medical supplies, masks, gloves, medicines, hoarding food, household items, canceling travel without consulting the State Department's travel advisory. Like, you know, what, what? Like, it's not their business that I have to uh, consult them when I want to fly. Uh, keeping children home unprompted. Uh, it, I think the, the rationing and the shortages, uh, I think, are very reminiscent of the Soviet era for sure. Uh, so I think that's, that's a good analogy. Uh, what else we got? Uh, President Trump declares national emergency because of the coronavirus. So this is when it all sort of started hitting the administration's desk back in March. Uh, Bill Gates steps down. down by, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tucker Carlson. That was the, the big sort of moment for him this year was him flying down to Mar-a-Lago to convince Trump that this wasn't uh, – fake news media, lying news media, and this was actually something to uh, take seriously. Do you guys also remember how eerie those first days really were? I, I was, I'm trying to remember, I got back, I, I went on, I actually yeah. was on a road trip right when the lockdowns were all hitting, and then I got back just as they were kind of finally solidifying into place. And I remember just walking around the town I lived in at the time and just seeing nothing open now for us like the schizophrenic reality of that i think we've become a little bit acclimated to it especially now that it's not being taken seriously at all but then you have various levels of, it's an individual by individual basis on who is taking it seriously into what their uh, ferocity is in that but those first weeks were extremely eerie when you just walked around there's nothing open Fun fact, uh, if you've ever seen the uh, the movie Cannonball Run about a fictitious uh, coast-to-coast race, mm-hmm. uh, a road race, uh, people actually do do that uh, for fun. Uh, and uh, if I recall correctly, 11 of the uh, current top 12 uh, coast-to-coast times from Manhattan to Los Angeles uh, were set during that magical like uh, six-week period 
uh, when everybody was uh, voluntarily and completely effectively uh, locking themselves down and staying off the roads. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, there was a new time, new records. Where they, they I, I think, like the the record got like twelve minutes or something shaved off of it. Yeah, it, it was insane. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of cool YouTube videos about uh, road footage from these guys, and it's like even the cops, um, pr- probably especially the cops, were uh, glad to uh, stay in their bunkers. I remember going for walks in uh, late March and April. And even into early May at night, um, even, you know, like eight, nine o'clock and living in like kind of a busy urban metro area, you know, you're even on like a Tuesday night at that time, you're accustomed to seeing thousands of people, lots of activity, lots of noise. And to walk around and see at 8.30, 9 o'clock and see literally nobody and most of the lights turned out and maybe one or two cars randomly passing by, uh, it was pretty eerie. You, I mean, it, you know, you kind of got the impression um, that people really didn't take this seriously until they were told to take it seriously by the mainline news media and um, by, I guess, by Trump, actually. But until then, you know, I think that this scene that we're in, uh, I want to give us credit because we were some of the first people to actually pay attention to this way back in January and February when when the, the stories came out. And I have a different take on it now, which is that um, some of what we were seeing was probably faked or was being overemphasized or misconstrued to kind of incentivize fear and lockdowns, which is what I think the Chinese wanted. If you pay attention to how things are kind of running in most of mainland China now, there are no lockdowns. Um, but I do think that they, we they were do wear masks, though. To it. Uh, yeah, but we were we were paying attention to it. Most of the early good science I saw on um, on this topic were guys on basically on 4chan who were compiling research and then writing, you know, posting anonymously to like a medium blog very quickly to put it all together. I think even back in March, people uh, just on a couple threads on poll. Uh, figured out exactly how COVID worked, or at least had a good postulation for it, and determined very quickly it was not a respiratory virus. It was a mostly a bloodborne illness. It was much more similar to malaria, and what how it was operating was kind of shaving off the top end of the red blood cell, letting it oxidize, not letting it oxidize properly, and that was what was causing what appeared to be uh, respiratory symptoms. And so I want to give our scene good credit for actually paying attention to this stuff and trying to think through it logically. Um, but I, I do, I did think it was just bizarre that, you know, it wasn't until a lot of people were told to take it seriously that they took it seriously. And then you saw the toilet paper shortage, you saw the run on grocery stores. People were doing runs on their local banks that kind of went underreported. 
You had people basically raiding their local gas stations or CVSs for hand sanitizer. Um, I, you know, it was a fascinating case study in how to basically invoke mass hysteria in two weeks. It only took two weeks until yeah. a lot of people As got a, the message that they had to take it seriously. Up till then, people were being told, don't take it seriously. As soon as that that switch was flipped, immediately you saw the repercussions of it, which was a fascinating level of control that was displayed by the powers that be. You know, I think what this year should tell a lot of people don't think for one minute that the, these people in the media complex and the propaganda propaganda networks they employ uh, are not effective. They are extremely effective. And all you have to do is look at the hysteria in late March that was invoked with very, very little information. Extremely scant information was provided to the general public, and they flipped out. Very yeah. easily. Yeah, I, I had a recent conversation with someone who lived uh, through the 60s, and they had a Hong Kong virus that, according to him, I, I was a little surprised by the magnitude of the number, but according to him, uh, 4 million Americans died from that. Now, maybe you divide that by two. I don't know if that's the actual number, but the number of uh, deaths from coronavirus is what, 300,000? something like that. Uh, even if that's uh, the right number, which I don't think it is, I think it's probably less if you factor out the comorbidities, uh, or things that are basically just like normal for flu seasons. Um, and things like pneumonia, which apparently has disappeared. The, uh, the response back then was, it could not be more different. I mean, people did not shut down the country. Uh, the, president was not blamed for all this and nobody even remembers it uh and everybody talks about the spanish flu because the media talks about it but they don't talk about this so it's very strange and it, if nothing else it shows you the power of the media uh, i have a couple of stories uh, along those lines to show how how things were changing whether it's just because of the media or just because uh, people all independently decided this. But I, I would argue and, and agree that it was mostly a, a media job here in it. There was a massive effect. Uh, so Caterpillar, a heavy machinery maker, uh, saw uh, a sales plunge the most in three years as the pandemic paralyzes heavy industries. Uh, sports leagues uh, cancel, uh, cancel their, their games. Uh, the what else we got uh illinois mayor signs executive order granting power to ban sale of guns and alcohol while addressing coronavirus uh san francisco decides to shut down for three weeks <laughs> uh, how funny and 24 hour curfew starts tonight uh so that, that people thought that would be enough that didn't happen uh senator Rand paul tests positive for coronavirus uh he's still fine uh, Germany closes border uh, to Europeans, but migrants are still allowed in. How do you like that? Uh, apparently, they don't have COVID, or they're uh, even if they did, they're still preferred to other Europeans. Uh, farmers warn of fresh food shortages because people are raiding the shelves. Um, I think that's enough on COVID. But I have a few other stories if you guys are ready to move off of it. Well, I just wanted to briefly touch on 
um, what's regarded in sort of dissident circles is like the legacy media and it's I think correct assessment Hank uh, in terms of, of their incredible power that they were able to uh, uh, sort of galvanize the entire world into into mass hysteria um, I think what also I, I, I just want to say that um, I think it's a common mistake in all circles, not just on the the far right, but you see this on the far left as well, where you see a hostile and hysterical reaction to something as indicative of an incoming defeat. Um, the legacy media's uh, insane and uh, uh, foaming at the mouth response to like independent uh, actors in journalism, whether it be People like on our side, like Red Ice, uh, and people on YouTube, or uh, people on the left, like Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, like going to Substack. Those reactions aren't indicative of them losing. It's it's just sort of a defense mechanism of of sort of seeing a, 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 a of, of acknowledging a threat. But that doesn't mean that there's a, a win loss scenario at play. If if anything, I think the legacy media is more powerful. Than it's ever been under Trump, and I would uh, extend that to uh, the deep state as well. You, you see the the Russian hysteria, and the CIA, and 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 uh, you know the intelligence agencies flipping out about Trump. Well, was their power ever really threatened? It really wasn't. It was just uh, people, a way of demonstrating their strength. Plenty of people spent the entire lockdown essentially getting a gigantic case of Stockholm syndrome. Just tuning yeah. in to CNN, MSNBC, Fox, whatever, and flipping their own internal conception of what's going on on a dime as the narrative imposed on them changed. I can't remember if my wife mentioned this on the episode she was on now that she's we've let people know what she does. I mean, she has told me that she had no exposure to what was going on cable news until she had her parent her patients requesting that they turn on CNN or what have you. And, you know, these are people who are in intensive care, people who are potentially dying and they're watching CNN and getting their, their information and their, and their opinions from this. It's, it, it, I, I don't promise know. you that if I'm in a COVID ward, like trying to choke out the, like my last breath, I'll, I'll be shit posting until I pass. I'm going to demand <laughs> they put on. You're here. got hey, that to look forward to. That's how Kings go. Yeah. Imagine as you're dying, you're watching CNN while your nurses dance in the background. <laughs> it's literally I really a case. Like that's, that's like a ritualized as little a non-news like, reader. I uh, I didn't notice anything was really going on until I went to the grocery store and there was no toilet paper. And then I went uh, and found that there was also no ammunition on the shelves. And then I found out that ski season was canceled. And my reaction was that I, I was actually pretty excited at first because I was hoping that, you know, there would be some kind Race of great war. cataclysm and uh, all kinds of, yeah, all kinds of fun shit would happen. And uh, it was just a major case of blue balls and <laughs> the year just got gayer. Yeah. Um, you know, we should address March and April was the beginning of the, the TikTok nurse blood libation ritual, whatever it is they're doing. 
Um, is that is that explainable? I don't, has anyone ex- tried to explain the sheer insanity of the I, TikTok? I think Claire did a good job on, on her article. I still don't understand what TikTok is, but don't bother. <laughs> well, yeah, my wife did t- make a, an attempt at, it, and she can tell you as an as an insider on the. Sh- I mean, she takes her job seriously. There are plenty of nurses who take their jobs seriously. And those nurses get very frustrated at the type of nurses that are do that kind of stuff. A lot of those are generally floor nurses as well. Uh, but you will see incompetencies across all the various levels. But, I mean, this is this is what happens when you have just uh, a giant hospital system where you have a lot of people who don't take their jobs that seriously or they're they think there's not that much for them to do or they do the bare minimum and they goof off in their spare time. It's unfortunately very common within the hospital system and you get social media upcomings because you're, they buy into this whole, well, we're the first, you know, and they push this really hard the back end of this year. Like these are, you know, our first line healthcare defenders and you know, they're just trying to blow off a little bit of steam and have a bit of fun. They were pushing that angle when they were trying to defend that TikTok nurse stuff at first. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, it, I'm not going to believe any. I'm not going to believe any explanation other than it's an occult ritual to issue. Yeah, I, I firmly it's, believe it's, at this point. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, they have spare time to do occult rituals. There you go. <laughs> I mean, there were there were some videos where they were my, like they were my chanting. My landlady was a nurse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did she dance all? for you? <laughs> just, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I, I think we've all, all right. said stuff. So like let's that. move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> I do have uh, one story, non-COVID, from March. Um, March of this year was uh, really the the death of the corporate share buyback program. Really. Uh, well, to a large extent, yes. Uh, lots of major companies. I think at the time in March, this is from a Wall Street well, this article. Is, this is when the market is plunging, right? Correct, correct. But they, it was the first also, time. Also known as the best in, time to buy, and hence they stopped buying. It just yes, boggles exactly. my mind, these people. Well, so it's the first time since like 1983 where there was a serious dip in share buyback activity. And uh, that's, of course, accounted for by the fact that um, until 82, it was considered a legal market manipulation under SEC rules. Um, but it was interesting because I share buybacks had become kind of a, um, a shelling point for criticism of the modern American economy, really starting when Trump got into office. Um, you saw there were a lot of great great pieces and good commentaries on this trend. I think American Affairs Journal uh, has, has, has had like four or five long articles on this topic uh, for a couple of years now. And um, I think we've even had one or two over at the American Sun on this topic. And Share buybacks really came to epitomize just the failure in many ways of modern financial system and really the priorities of kind of the national economic strategy. 
And March was a great period in which um, these companies under the pressure of sort of the market crash and a lot of turmoil and uncertain predictions. I, th- I think I remember that Goldman, I think accurately actually predicted a, uh, a Q2 or Q3 GDP decline of over 30%. Um, and that freaked everyone out. But also the the public resentment towards share buybacks. And uh, there had even been talk before Corona in the Senate of potentially moving on this and trying to limit public corporations' ability to engage in this behavior, it all kind of came together at one perfect moment and has really killed, for the most part, um, something that I think a lot of people were were rightly critical over, um, something that really kind of tested the boundaries of what it, why is it we exactly even have a market for investment if the companies are simply going to then just buy up their own shares instead of, and enrich themselves instead of actively attempting to take money invested in them by the market and then deliver new products and services and so on. Kind of the basic fundamental thesis of this whole system going back to the 18th century. Um, so that was an interesting story that I had marked on my bookmark folder a while back and it's the only marked story I really had. Well, I got another one that is a little bit uh, chilling, and I was uh, was watching some Andrew Breitbart uh, videos the other night. If you ever want to take a, a dip back into the Obama years, uh, fascinating man, uh, quite uh, quite hilarious. But he um, he may very well have been assassinated. We don't quite know what happened to him, but I'd, I'd look into that if you haven't heard of uh, that theory. But uh, there was another man that was that was murdered in his uh, sleep. Uh, uh, this was a, a man who was asleep with his girlfriend and the Bill Hartman. Po- police, uh, no, that was his wife. Uh, <clears throat> this is a Maryland man who was shot and killed by a police officer uh, in his bedroom uh, when the police opened fire from outside his home. Um, and uh, I'm trying to get his name, but you guys Don't might remember him. this. It, it was... It, didn't, Mr. didn't we talk about that? This sounds we really did. Familiar. Yeah, if James it sounds Lafon familiar talked, to me, we probably yeah, James, talked about it. James Duncan Lafon Lemp, I think is yeah, yeah, yeah. Duncan, yes, Lemp. Duncan Lemp. Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he was, was like heavily involved in. Well, he was. He was heavily involved in uh, the, uh, I guess, edgy DIY firearms community, and there is a suspicion that. Uh, he might have uh, pissed somebody off uh, for some unknown reason. Uh, honestly, those guys, um, although they're very enthusiastic and they generally do great work, um, they also don't seem to be tremendously involved in like the sort of explicitly political activities that get you targeted. It's mostly just people who really love guns, uh, and their ideology is, I like guns. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know if we have the whole story there. It's all, that particular police department has also like literally by accident almost killed me uh, personally. Uh, so <laughs> they're they're not known for their super high competence. Yeah, I think yeah, this, you'd this be year. dead if they were competent, right, Hank? Yeah, almost got fucking run over. I guess they were trying. So actually, it was 
the second time that I had seen them pull this uh, particular maneuver where they have a bunch of cars driving around, unmarked cars, and they everybody suddenly jams on their accelerator and like runs across crosswalks and shit and piles into a parking lot where they essentially carjack someone. Uh, they might or might not have their sirens or their lights or anything, or they might or might not be looking out for pedestrians in the crosswalk when they do this. Jeez. Yeah, I think this has been a, a year of reevaluating, uh, and cops were on that list for sure. Uh, all right, I'm going to jump to April. Oh, 2020, finally? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nick. Um, <clears throat> yes, the last, the last. Rub it in, Nick. <laughs> shred the last shreds of hope I, I had left were were shredded. Um, <clears throat> all right, winning. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can get Charlie Sheen to party with us, I'll 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 party down. I'll I'll, I'll enjoy that conversation. I think he was hanging with Jones at one point, Alex Jones. So I'd love to hear what his take is on all this garbage. He was their personal also, friends. Also, uh, a confirmed uh, Hollywood pedophile, uh, Charlie Sheen. So I'd, well, I'd watch out for him. Yeah, at least he and doesn't hide he's, it. He's one of the not good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially because so. he can't hide his status now. Yeah, he's got the hiv. All right, April. So more more uh, COVID junk. I, I'm. I'm just trying to sift through this and pick out the more interesting stuff. So I wanted to kind of give you guys uh, sort of a ranking here. Uh, layoffs were starting to take their hold in April. And I have a uh, article from Zero Hedge that breaks down the industries most affected. Uh, I won't read the numbers, um, but this is an order of uh, largest to smallest impact. So... Uh, the, the hardest hit were uh, food service uh, after that retail, uh, grocery stores and stuff like that. Um, after that, uh, professional business services. Uh, after that, ambulatory health care services, which seems odd. Uh, manufacturing after that, uh, transportation and warehousing, wholesale and trade. And social assistance was the least affected on this list. Uh, but in terms of like scale, we're talking uh, food service about 60 times worse than social workers. So anybody who works in uh, restaurants, things like that, they got shellacked with all this crap. And it sort of just goes down from there. What about bankers, Adam? Are the bankers doing okay? Didn't see it on the list, funnily enough. I guess they're doing all right. I was worried. Don't You don't have to worry now. But uh, Kissinger is, um, quote, uh, failure to establish post-COVID New World Order could set the world on fire, according to our favorite former National Security Advisor slash Secretary of State. He's still alive, folks. All right. Adrenochrome uh, works its wonders, man. Let me tell you. Yeah. What is that like? Do you think? Do you think a Kissinger? Do you think Kissinger specifically requests Cambodian or Vietnamese children's adrenochrome? You think he's, you know, trying to relive his glory days? 
I'm sure he takes his doctor's advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those Ashka Nazis uh, live a long uh, time too, so it's hard to say. He has shrunken a lot though. He was never a tall man, but if you've seen uh images of him or video, uh he really is a, a walking uh, California raisin. Goblin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He is he is tiny. And his uh at some point his wife, I don't know if they're still married, she she just towered over him. So it's very very strange social circle. Uh, this was, this was, I think very notable. Uh, remember this guys, uh, oil hit negative $40 a barrel. They would pay you to take it. So much fun. Well, the the futures market did, but yeah, Yeah, I wish, I wish I had a gigantic, uh, barrel or silo in Cushing, Oklahoma, but I don't. And it was another one of those perfect storm things. Like there was an ongoing, war effectively between the Russians and the Saudi Arabians in OPEC over mass dumping of oil on the market. And uh, along with, I think, the turmoil over lockdowns and the realization that, um, well, if everyone's locked down, if air travel's down, driving's down, the hell are you going to use oil for? Um, So kind of one of those scenarios where it all came together for just sheer insanity. But then it bumped back up to like 50 bucks on the futures market a week or two later. Like, you know, it would, it would think it was first of all, realization too, that um, there is actually a finite amount of supply for oil storage, mm-hmm. which no one had really considered up to that point, which is how much store, how, how much crude oil, can we actually store at any given one time around the world? What is the total storage capacity available? And uh, we actually did approximate those those limits this year. Um, so it was interesting to see. Yeah, and, and it's fascinating from just a sort of basic energy economics point of view that it it really was worth 40 bucks for the oil producers to keep drilling and have somebody take that away from them as opposed to shutting down the wells, which has costs involved because you got to restart them. And especially with fracking, you are basically hosed, no pun intended, when you try to reopen those things because you are – you're really dealing with crappy, uh, crappy uh, energy uh, wells to begin with. Th- this stuff takes enormous amounts of water, high pressure water, and energy to extract. And when they find it, and they finally get the wells to produce. Uh, they're very reluctant to shut them off because once they cap them, which is another ordeal to basically shove a bunch of uh, sediment and concrete and other crap down the hole. Uh, once you've done that, there is. I think only like a 40% chance you're going to get it working again. And then you have to drill another giant hole. So just to understand how and these even companies if you do, the yield is going to be lower. That's right. And it's, it's just a shitty uh, shadow of what oil production used to be. I mean, oil, oil is a declining industry. You know, whatever you think about global warming or climate change, oil is going to go away and it's not going to go away completely, but it's going to get more and more difficult to extract and they they call this energy transition in the uh, the energy world that, that this stuff is just it's not a renewable resource. So 
Well, uh, it is. You you can synthesize oil. You just very expensively, for, you know. very expensively. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can get the cost down. You could probably get it like two hundred dollars a barrel is like a price level that you know in the long term you should never exceed that. You can have an industrial economy based off yeah. of like purely synthetic oil. Just you know, you'd be a lot poorer than if you got it for basically nothing out of the ground. Five five dollars in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for lubrication, you're still going to need it for you know long distance diesel hauls uh, and generators in the middle of Alaska. Uh, you'll probably still need some diesel engines, but the gasoline internal combustion engine for the majority of uh, our new and growing smart city population, that's probably going to go down quite a bit. And I think all the automakers are starting to recognize that uh, when that happens, it's tough to say, but it seems like our overlords are targeting 2035. All right. So uh, what else do we got? Uh, let's see, Bill Gates. Uh, and this is something I wanted to uh, bring up last month, but he has been sort of this weird guy who keeps popping up in the news with, uh, what, what's that guy's name? Colbert. Uh, just like, how did this, this nerd go from being one of the most, uh, despised businessmen in the nineties to now becoming this, uh, magical philanthropist elf that, I mean, I, I think it's good PR, but, um, he uh, yep. stepped down from Microsoft. Uh, in, interestingly enough, I, I didn't quite put this exactly together, but my theory now may be that as COVID was ramping uh, he, and this, uh, what was it, Event 201 that he, he paid for in November in 2019, uh, it was playing out exactly according to their tabletop simulation. He stepped down from the board of Microsoft, and now he's become a uh, philanthropist and uh, advisor on all things uh, virus related coming from a guy who didn't even uh, finish Harvard and he was studying. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was had nothing to do with biology. Uh, and he, uh, he was a software business executive and now he's the expert on uh, viruses. Uh, but uh, what happened in April was uh, there was big backlash. And according to the wall street journal, uh, Bill Gates is targeted by social media mobs, uh, whatever that means. But there, there's been a lot of, uh, even billboards I've seen where people are, uh, making these sort of villainous murals of Bill Gates holding up a, uh, microchip ready to implant in you to track, to see if you've been a good boy or girl, whether you've gotten your vaccine shot or re-upped your vaccine, because as we know, coronaviruses, evolve very quickly. It's basically the flu. And has the flu been eradicated? Nope. You got to keep taking a vaccine every goddamn year. So I, I predict that this Corona thing is going to come back so and again and again and again. And to what you're saying, update? is that what you're saying, Adam? Uh, yeah, what you're going to, you're going to be having the black screen of death if you don't upgrade your, your, <laughs> your chip i don't know but he's talked about this COVID 10 coming coming to uh stores near you to what you were saying adam about uh this uh turn that bill gates like i i remember with his pivot towards philanthropy he'd been he's been doing that for the last decade or so i remember there was a longer yeah 20 years ever since uh, he stepped down from a ceo role i think he was always uh big about doing these kind of big um I don't know. I, I can't think of, the, of a uh, 
a good word for it, like on that performance art, but he made a big show of of things like for when he was trying to eliminate malaria. I remember years ago he released a bunch of mosquitoes into an auditorium and told them they had malaria to freak the people out. That was funny. Try to make a point I'll, I'll give him some credit for yeah. that. They didn't have malaria. He's performing yeah, he's like mad science experiments. guys. Like he's, I assume that the same people that turned Warren Buffett uh, into like oh. kindly grandpa, cherry Coke, soda pop, uh, probably, uh, you know, the same guys uh, turned Bill Gates into like my public health. Well, you, you uh, know, they're, they're, they're super BFFs and uh, Buffett pledged basically yeah, all of his money that's to why Gates. I say that. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, they, they've been they've been, you know, interestingly, despite um, having uh, given huge sums uh, to his charity last time that I checked his sort of personal non donated wealth uh, had actually uh, grown substantially uh, since he left uh, Microsoft and uh, started divesting himself of uh, assets. He's still very, very involved in like the, the kind of financial uh, and tech investing uh, circles at various levels. Um, yeah, the the whole like kindly philanthropist thing is a known grift, uh, and obviously it should make you suspicious. Which is not to say that like people can't have genuine weird interests in this sort of stuff. Um, like these picked probably like a half dozen uh, interesting good ideas, and then a couple of just abject disasters like he basically destroyed the uh the field of education research which wasn't that great to begin with um by just uh relentlessly pouring money at people who took one particular tack in their research there um you know it i i don't know like to what extent he's being actively malicious in search of like or in in service of some ulterior agenda versus He's got one particular thing that he's determined is the path to take, and he's just going to use his resources to push that indefinitely. Uh, I don't like uh, systems where you can just take a bunch of money and PR guys and brainwash the boomers uh, into thinking you're a swell guy until they do as they're told. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'll like Jones has been clinging for now. Gates is trying to genocide the dark continent and create some kind of Aryan living. He he did Ruben donate Nolan, Melinda Gates Foundation. He he did donate slash bribe the uh, one of the countries in Africa uh, with ten million dollars to be the first to receive the coronavirus vaccine. Which and I've talked to African american people um about this and they've had a long held uh suspicion of what gates is up to in africa uh you can look into it however you want but uh yeah i wonder i wonder about things like uh guinea pig status i mean he he did the same thing in india too uh there was a recent case with him so i i don't know guys He's doing a terrible job yeah it doesn't seem case. to be working like he really is just yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that nonsense at all. I, I, I think the, the, the only thing more dangerous than like a, a normie autiste is a normie autiste with billions and billions of dollars. I, I, I really do. Like, I, I, 
I want all of the spastics to be on our side uh, and and none on uh, the side of neoliberalism or communism uh, because it's uh, they can really they can really Mosquitoes have change done more the world. For the white race than Bill Gates ever has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Honestly, I think he chooses Africa for most of these experiments strictly because. Who exactly is going to sue him for limited liability if he oh, yeah. fucks up? I mean, you know, there's he chooses Africa because it it satisfies both the American white shit lib uh, fascination with helping Africans, and it allows him to get away with probably real human suffering um, in his sort of like Doctor Mengele legit mass experiments on whole villages of people. Uh, on You know, the most interesting thing about this here with Bill Gates is just how he's been anointed like a doctor. I mean, the man basically bills himself as a medical professional now. You wouldn't know that he ran Microsoft and he was like, he's like a dork who wrote an interpreter. Like, and to visual be fair, basis. as we've proven the bar for quote unquote public health turns and, out to be dramatically low. Like you right. have time for yeah. a full on like pornography addiction plus like being more competent than the 90th percentile public health uh, professional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know I mean, how your average libtard thinks Bill Nye is a scientist, right? I don't know how Gates has successfully become the leading voice on not just medicines, but specifically infectious diseases in America um, and the world more broadly. But it's kind of a position that was conferred onto him almost simply because of the fact that he poured enough money into making himself into one yeah. and it's it's what's more curious is out of anything he could have poured money into why was it vaccinations and infectious diseases and epidemiology it could have been anything but this was the primary focus of his work for at least a decade now with through his foundation and i don't really get oh, maybe it. they knew a decade ago where we would be now yeah i don't really get it other than there is an obvious ulterior motive here and gates is but one of an innumerable members of some kind of group that is deeply interested in vaccination programs and epidemiology uh you know, I think it was Whitney Webb, who's been maybe the best journalist this year. Um, who Tim, Tim Pool's been good, uh, but yeah, she does some good work. She will. She, in April, she wrote an article in the early days of COVID, really called "All Roads Lead to Dark Winter." Um, I think she wrote it for the Last Vagabond or the, one of her blogs. She writes for a bunch of different sites. Um, it's an extremely long article. It's extremely, extremely good. One of the most uh, well-researched and well-thought-out articles on this topic I think I've ever read. Um, I highly recommend you read it. And it goes into the deep layers 
of complexity in what appears to be a uh, two to three decade long war game scenario that is finally played out from her perspective. Um, and this goes back to the actual Operation Dark Winter in the end of the year 2000 and early 2001, along with operations like Crimson Contagion, someone mentioned Event 201, um, and so forth. Uh, and Gates being, Gates does show up in this research, and Gates being so involved in pouring so much money into this, I can't help but think he was asked to be the money man for what appears to be a covert op that is now being deployed against um, the United States and the whole planet, yeah, uh, broadly speaking. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, they have unlimited money. I, I think whatever money is going through the Gates Foundation is sort of the, the public front for what's going on here. Uh, he, but he was pictured with Epstein a few times. He was. Gates. I know that was a, a brouhaha for a good month or so. He was. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, this is a cabal. And look, the United States, whatever's left of it, has been, I think, the only bulwark against this thing. And it, it's it's being taken down. This year is just, you know, U.S. takedown. Uh, so has it worked? I think you meant the Soviet Union. Well, the USSA is how I feel about this place, but it's uh, it, it's it's turned into that, and I don't think it always was, but um, certainly certainly the corruption. Nah, America is the host for this shit, man. Couldn't couldn't disagree more. <laughs> that's that's fine, that's fine. I think there's a segment though in the country that is patriotic and doesn't buy into this crap, and I think that's what they're trying to break apart right now. Uh, whether you think there's other factions, which I would probably agree with that are also uh, against that uh, and driving what this globalist agenda is. I, I think that's, you don't, you don't have to pick one or the other. It's a big country. I mean, George Soros operates with impunity in the United States and he's uh, wanted for arrest in Russia. That tells you everything. Uh, the average American has less rights than the, uh, the immigrants that are now being uh, given uh Biden bucks or whatever we're going to call it. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Their vote doesn't count. Uh, so I think we're talking about two different groups here. When you say America, you can't say one or the other. It's, it's, it's all of it. And two sides of the same shackle. Okay. All right. Are we uh, moving on to May? Yeah. Let me see if there's anything else in here. Um, most of the stuff you've heard. Okay. Let's do May. Let's do May. Well, May had a hilarious event that you all might remember. The um, border war between China and India at (laughs) uh, 16,000 feet elevation. Um, God, what can I say? Uh, Easily the most hilarious thing to happen this year, or one of the most hilarious. Um there's nothing quite like seeing footage and hearing descriptions of um, makeshift melee weapons being used in like uh, on cliffside brawls with <laughs> Indian and Chinese troops plummeting to their deaths in fist fights over um, a strip of land in the middle of uh, the mountains that no one really wants. I don't know. The, the very whole, metal. It, 
it comes, yeah. it all, or it sounds like exactly something out of like a Stephen Chow comedy film. Yeah. Um, so it basically, this has been ongoing for well decades, but the last few years, the Indians have been uh, protesting what they see as Chinese military incursions into uh, the Ladakh region and through Tibet. And the Chinese, I think a couple of years ago, basically camped a division of troops about 50 miles inside the Indian border and kind of waited to be kicked out. Um, and they weren't. They just sort of left on their own. But due to, <laughs> uh, d- due to the last few years of nationalist party consolidation under Modi in India, uh, it, it now became apparent to the Indian government that um, this could no longer be tolerated. It's their first year as a superpower. How could yeah, it? Exactly. <laughs> and so the Indians did what you would expect them to do. They marched thousands of troops into high elevation with no equipment and no training and then told them to fight. Um, but then they told them that due to certain rules and regulations of war or whatever, um, they couldn't use firearms. So they, if they came across Chinese troops, they would have to literally beat them to death or throw them off a mountain or whatever. Um, so, of course, a couple of days into this, uh, the Indians actually do successfully beat a Chinese soldier to death right in front of his car, uh, up in the mountains. And it turns into a brawl, which turns into a knife fight. Again, this is at like 16,000 feet altitude, um, which results in both of them going home and then coming back with like makeshift swords and axes and pieces of rebar and clubs. which resulted in, I think, like over a hundred casualties in total. Uh, pretty metal, pretty hilarious. Yeah. The, yeah. the footage was hilarious because you saw like Indian yeah, guys. Yeah, that's pretty metal. They, they were screaming like "Not your bloody land" or something at like the Chinese troops. They were kicking to death on the on the ground, and then the Chinese troops came <laughs> back with like battle armor and like spiked shields and two-handed weapons Damn. and went like full world of warcraft really quick and uh the, the indians love the kicking i i, I don't <laughs> disparage the kick it, it is an ancient uh fighting technique if you're not allowed to carry a weapon but um yeah not really effective in actual modern warfare there's a cool ceremony though in uh, kashmir or somewhere between pakistan and india uh where they obviously have had some tensions yeah uh, the border ceremony there's yeah, a the very cool ceremony. uh yeah. like kick display where they both uh do these sort of high kicks in in formation on both sides very enjoyable i, I think it's a very cool cool ceremony well, the funny thing is that this all basically. Well, ended. India actually has the, the oldest martial art in the world, and that's uh, I don't say exactly right, but that's uh, yeah. That's what I, a yeah. I've, I've heard that. Is. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool uh, one. It's it's kind of complicated. There's a lot of like jumping and stuff, 
but uh, yeah, it's very very unique compared to what traditionally is considered martial arts, which is mostly coming from China and Korea and Japan. Uh, it's it's got its own flavor for sure. Well, the funny thing was ultimately like this went on for about a month, and then the Chinese were accused of using some kind of sonic weapon to blow out uh, Indian troop eardrums, or there was some like. Wow. Science fiction shit happening. The, giant, the Chinese uh, had mastered the brown note. Right. The brown note. <laughs> the what? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> Adam, just Yandex brown note. Okay. I think our listeners are, uh, are acquainted. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet innocent. There's Adam. two girl, one, one cup. <laughs> Adam's never been to a Ben Folds concert. Uh, all the old heads uh, no I haven't <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, ultimately this resulted in just a bunch of um, dead Chinese and Indian troops um, progress you might say and uh, then both governments came out and said actually this isn't we're not going to stop trading and um, goodbye <laughs> and that was it it was, it was the most pointless war in history and it was hilarious Oh, this is gross, guys. I looked this up. This is not air repeatable material. We're not on YouTube anymore. You can probably put it in the BitChute video. This is a family program. That's right. Yes. This is where we teach your family about brown note and the word nigger. How do you all know what that is? I mean, that's, that's just <laughs> astonishing. How do you not? <laughs> I don't know. Well, the odd man out, buddy. <laughs> speaking of this being a family program, I mean, if you go by Titus's Dojinshi's, it's uh, that's a that's a special type of family. Special type oh, of family not, program. That's okay. <laughs> when I say family, I mean like kind of like the Manson family. Ah. Uh. Your, your people. Uh, so the other big sorry, story. Sorry, Titus, didn't mean to impugn your patrician taste. My taste. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the other big story I had nice. from uh, from May was the um, the Fed revealing it would start buying up uh, corporate bond. Uh, I'm sorry, corporate debt ETFs uh, for the first time. Later, followed by individual security purchases. Like yeah, which the, then, uh, which then list of in. Fed facilities. They call all of these things facilities. Uh, you can get the exhaustive yeah. list, and actually, not what they're uh, invested in uh, without a lot of hunting. But you can find the gist of it, and the uh, that one-liner summary basically gives the game away as far as who they're intended to pay off. Yeah, um, this basically created a, by the end of the year. This has effectively created, a, I think, it was eight for eight trillion dollars on the balance sheet. The money supply has risen by fourteen trillion dollars. Um, it was it was uh, intense. The Fed basically bailed out the entire market. At one point, the Fed was even buying junk bonds, uh, and it was. They were even buying Apple corporate debt. I, you know, there were so many individual securities and financial products and illiquid and liquid debt were bought off the market that it became too mind-boggling. 
I spent like half an hour today trying to compile it all. And it's still too complex. There is no great single informative source about everything the Fed has bought by year end. Um, Intentionally so, because they outsource a lot of the purchasing decisions to BlackRock. Yeah, and that was part of it too, was that BlackRock was effectively able to utilize its, what do you call it, the iShares program to enrich itself by choosing what financial products and what securities to buy. And more often than not, that ended up not, I'm sorry, positively impacting uh, BlackRock's performance. And it was fascinating that the Fed couldn't necessarily figure out or didn't want to figure out how to do this themselves. Much like you saw with um, the Treasury Department and the Fed utilizing the private commercial bank structure to deliver the stimulus payments halfway through the year. Um, it is interesting to see the limits to which these bodies can actually operate. And it wasn't long after that you started hearing about two things. Um, the Fed Now program, which is uh, aims to be some kind of new distributed single source of payment system managed by the Federal Reserve, planned for implementation in 2023, and the Banking for All Act, which was a digital wallet creation act for every American citizen, um, which is, I think, still working its way through the Senate. And the limitations of these two bodies, the U.S. Treasury Department and the Fed, became so, so apparent that they obviously began accelerating plans to, I think, more fully integrate um, companies like BlackRock, the private commercial banking sector and the Fed itself into sort of a single financial unit that could buy shares off the market, they could create new financial instruments, they could take on debt, and could deliver direct payments to individuals and uh, bondholders and so forth for any cause du jour necessary. Um, this is something that I just think really went under-discussed this year, was the fact that all the conspiracy theorizing about BlackRock and the Fed and the financial system came true and no one realized it. They were effectively unified this year and um, I don't think there's been any sign that they've discontinued that unity. It seems like BlackRock will now be the Fed's go-to for any and all major financial market decisions which is bizarre because I don't really think that the Fed has the legal authority to even do that um, necessarily, but they've well, it, done it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is one of the nice little technical aspects of this thing. So the the Federal Reserve has effectively uh, laundered their purchasing power into the Treasury, which has the authority to do basically whatever they want. Uh, so it's like, well, we have the authority to cut a giant check to the uh, the Treasury, or really just you know electronically mark up their accounts. <laughs> Uh, and the Treasury has the authority to have this program, and uh, we just manage it for them. And, uh, you know, everything's fine and dandy. It's all very uh, uh, insulting, I guess, because the effect of this is obvious. You can look at the stock market, and despite huge swaths of the economy being shut down indefinitely, uh the stock market is at all-time record highs. Interest rates are at all-time lows, which is to say that bond prices are at all-time highs. 
there's just there's literally unlimited capital sloshing through not just the financial sector writ large, but just every paper security with a serial number on it is getting bid up. And it would be so easy to just pull the old uh, Ben Bernanke and just go full helicopter money. And instead of bidding up the prices of paper paper ownership representation of these capital assets to actually help the people that are materially affected by this situation that has been imposed on them, first by incompetency and then by fiat. And it's not. Like, they, they literally have the authority to do to buy whatever the fuck they want. They could say, like, your grandma's China is inestimably valuable to us. They could say like cloth masks are inestimably valuable to us. They could decide that they're going to do another cash for clunkers thing. And just, you know, here's 10 grand for your 1983 shitbox. But instead it's like the only button that they allow themselves to push just coincidentally happens to be the one that further entrenches the oligarchic power of this very tiny class of people running this very tiny piece of the overall financial sector. Fuck these people. I I, I want to give um, a quick shout out to two people who I think have been incredibly important because I'm, I'm not an economics uh, guy at all. And uh, two people that I've been paying a lot of attention to because they've been foaming at the mouth uh, over sort of the economic uh, uh, clusterfuck um, and and consolidation that has been going on um, since uh, since the the, the coronavirus uh, started wrecking the economy. Um, Matt Stoller and Dylan Radigan are both really good, uh, especially like on the CARES Act, um, which is the, the more I read about it, uh, the more uh, I am utterly uh, disenchanted and uh, depressed uh, over it's uh, it's it's genuinely uh, terrifying how easily they got away with uh, just ransacking the economy. Here's one thing that we we can with almost certainty predict, and when you can predict the future, you can profit from it. Uh, I can predict these people continue to be greedy and corrupt. And the pattern also that the financial interests have been pursuing over the last 40 years has been finance, insurance, and real estate. If you can get assets in those areas, uh, I would say it is a hedge against what they're doing to the 99% because they have most of their wealth tied up in that and they're going to do everything they can to continue to grow that slice of the pie for themselves. So if you can, if you can get onto that piece of pie yourself, I think you're going to insulate yourself a little bit. Uh, that doesn't mean give up your job or anything, but that just means if you can take advantage of low interest rates, try to buy some real estate in areas that are, experiencing inflows from the big cities right now, simple stuff like that, have hard assets, which are going to inflate 
Uh, I think that is a way to protect your wealth, if nothing else. But that's all we can do. I mean, you know, there's not much else um, short of this uh, vaunted revolution, which we have not seen yet. So, um, but I'm just here to offer, you know, just a practical, practical thought. Uh, all right. I have a couple stories, unless you got more Hans. No, I'm good. Okay. All right. So I got three real quick on this uh, China virus, Wuhan virus. Dr. Fauci, we haven't really talked about him, but there have been a lot of um, stories run about how he was involved in funding uh, and also look into some of his ties with the AIDS uh, AIDS crisis. You'll you'll be a little bit... uh, I think it was the the film that Google banned from YouTube, uh, Plandemic, where uh, Dr. Mikovits uh, talks about her interactions with uh, his group during the AIDS crisis. Uh, very shady stuff going on. Basically, he was involved in a lot of the companies that were offering uh, uh, that uh, AZT. I think it what is. Uh, what it was that ended up killing a lot of people. Uh, but in the, uh, the Corona case, uh, Dr. Fauci backed controversial Wuhan lab with millions of U.S. dollars for risky coronavirus research, according to Newsweek. Dr. Fauci. Um, Wall Street Journal reports Japan's coronavirus cases fall sharply without compulsory measures. Uh, so like Sweden, they're doing fine. Uh, th- this has been shocking. And, and just... Uh, you know, the Baizuos yet again are clueless, but if you can speak Chinese or if you have a Chinese friend who is willing to uh, peel back the curtain on how Chinese people regard Americans, uh, it's not pretty. I uh, think they think we're stupid, slow uh, and uh, incompetent. And, you know, who, who can uh, question their judgment based on the past 50 years? Uh, but there was a, a Chinese uh, guy whatever their equivalent of YouTube is over there. Uh, but he was, uh, he was basically like making a song or a rap about how, uh, how we need to infect capitalist countries, uh, with, uh, with COVID-19. Uh, he was sort of making this kind of like a, I guess TikTok is Chinese. So maybe it was on TikTok. I don't know, but somebody screen capped that, and put it on Twitter. Um, let's see. Madonna wears a satanic t-shirt to raise funds during Easter great timing, uh, for Bill Gates foundation. So there you go again, more of the, uh, the cabal, uh, jerking each other off. Uh, the, um, the Germans, uh, the, uh, veritable rule followers of Europe, they, uh, were caught. Somebody took a picture of them sitting at a cafe, uh, outdoors wearing, uh, you know, those, uh, those like pool noodles that people fight with, uh, yes. they, they turned them into uh, helicopter hats so that they would be forced to socially distance from each other in a fun, cute way that everybody can get behind. Uh, they, they look like dunces. I mean, they're little dunce caps. Uh, so they're just sitting out there in the sun uh, in May, wonderful weather with their little noodle hats following the rules like a bunch of sheep. Uh, let's see. The... Um, the House defeats Republicans' effort to prevent anyone without a social security number, undocumented immigrants, etc., from receiving the $1,200 COVID-19 pandemic relief payments, uh, mostly along party line vote, 13 Democrats for yes, 
um, et cetera, et cetera. So the House defeated that um, because the priority citizens, as Nick likes to say, uh, deserve their free money too. Uh, all right. Let's see. We could probably move on. I got more stuff, but let me see if there's anything more. I think you got the idea. Are we going to get to the, the, the race war summer? That's coming. The only thing I have to say for uh, end of May was that SpaceX successfully put two NASA astronauts uh, into orbit. And that was the, uh, the first manned spacecraft to take off from the U.S. soil since 2011. So uh, the you know it, it was kind of uh, yes yes it was, it was heartening to see, but it was also uh, very shocking that uh, it had you know really been effectively ten years since we'd even bothered to send someone up into space, and that's being done by like a uh, a Twitter junkie <laughs> with too much investor money, not even really by NASA effectively. Yeah, I'll go on the record in saying I I'm on balance pro Elon, but you know there's still something uh, off about how he got so successful. I I just I don't know everything his companies do, well, with the exception of SpaceX. I think SpaceX is actually pretty damn innovative, but the the Tesla product itself, um, you know, it's okay, it's good, you know, but uh, they're more valuable than than Toyota and you know 10 other or five other car makers combined it just it just makes no sense so i i don't know what's going on there but um, hank hank calls them uh the the reddit whisper i think that's pretty funny I'm yeah elon the more the more money that elon makes uh from uh inflated stock sales or you know selling luxury bernie's non-self-driving self-driving electric cars uh the closer we get to mars so you know i don't have a tesla but uh go ahead and buy one if you're uh, in that uh, price bracket the first man on mars is going to be a redditor though and and that's something that i genuinely cannot abide i i if if the choice between space exploration and the conquest of the stars and allowing a redditor to have any part in that, I have to say, it's the Luddite, the Luddite's life for me. That's that's what I have to say. I got one more quick one from May, uh, fellow podcaster. Since we're you know so famous, uh, all of us, Joe Rogan announced his podcast was moving to Spotify. Of course, he actually gets paid for what he does, uh, and uh, to the tune of $100 million. He also moved to Austin, which I think is very uh, spooky and interesting as well, with uh, Elon also uh, moving over there, uh, at least his uh, rocket division, and him recently openly admitting that, uh, yeah, he's basically the last uh, company uh, in car making and aerospace in California that's left. So something's going on in Texas. Obviously Jones, Alex Jones is out of Austin. Uh, I'd say watch that space. All right, June. I should tell you Adam some time about my experience with Austin, Texas to remind me in the future. Yeah. uh, I'd love to hear it. All right. So as, uh, as per, popular demand and request by my wonderful co-host Nick. Uh, June, the beginning of the months 
I thought it was just going to be weeks of rage. The Black Lives Matter movement takes hold with the St. George protests turning into a complete uh, breakdown of civil society, cops kneeling, uh, the statues of uh, even uh, black abolitionists being torn down. I mean, these people are are, are just uh, paid goons at this point. They they have they have no uh, no concept of what uh, what they're they're even doing symbolically. Uh, this is when it all began. The uh, the jogger story just couldn't get hold, so they had to spin up yet another. Uh, story that had no statistical significance. Uh, on balance, blacks uh, commit way more murders than whites, uh, yet nobody talks about it. Uh, yet they uh, they found one, uh, one drug-dealing uh, pregnant woman uh, gun pointing at belly, uh, former bouncer, uh, porn star, black man to create into their saint. So this is, uh, this is June guys. I'll let you take it from I would, there. Yeah. I would say that this is the year of the ascendancy of the lump and brawl shock troops. At, at the very least, it was, uh, the first time I've seen regular people really being forced to pay attention to something, scratch their heads and, really confused as to why there were no repercussions for that. And they might have considered thought about that more, but unfortunately because of the way news cycles were election kind of overshadowed all of that. But I remember in the first couple months of, of these riots, people who kind of knew my views and had dismissed me were asking me what, uh, what to do now. Okay. You were right. What, what do we do? Uh, don't go into the riots. I don't know what to tell you. It was a scary time, though. I my wife got caught in one of those, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it was not a. It was a wild couple of months. Yeah, don't don't find yourself uh, defending yourself. It was the ooga booga heard around the world. <laughs> it really was. There's a map uh, that was uh, published of all the active protests around the world, and it was basically just the Anglosphere plus uh, continental Europe. Uh, and the caption was from the, uh, Twitter or Gab person who posted it was just how effective, uh, in their words, Jewish propaganda is th- uh, throughout the white world. And, and it's true. I mean, it was basically a white phenomenon, all white women and, uh, uh, so-called white men got out there right with their brown and black brothers to talk about how bad their race is. Uh, yet, uh, statistically again, there's been no other race that has pumped more money and more technology into saving other races besides themselves. It makes no sense. Um, and another point on the, uh, the whole ascendancy of the, of the lump rolls. I mean, you, this is also kind of where the, I think it became much very, very apparent on what the three flags of the American empire are. You have the, well, the American flag, but also the, homosexual flag and the black lives matter flag and you will see those all around the world at embassies all three of those flags often flying at the same time yep so uh relatedly in seattle where the i I don't know is this still going on the uh semi-autonomous chop chaz i forgot what it stood for some some something autonomous zone where there's a black warlord uh reigning in a what 10 block radius 
the police, Seattle police chief, who's a black woman, uh, rapes, robberies, and of all sorts of violent acts have been occurring in the area, Chaz, and we're not able to get to them. Um, BLM, raised fist, Black Lives Matter. That's from Andy No. Uh, he's, uh, he's the homosexual-based Vietnamese reporter who did a lot of work in uh, Portland. Interesting guy. He's been on Rogan. What else we got? I mean, you guys know most of the story, but this was a, this is also sort of a confluence of, uh, American shit show. Uh, good, good article series by our co-host Hank on the American sun. Check it out. Uh, this is when COVID and BLM combined. Uh, oh, and, and also our wonderful, uh, 2014, 15 trans, uh, trans agenda from the uh, CIA. Uh, Meet Claire Hall, formerly known as Bill Hall. This is the commissioner in Lincoln County, Oregon, who mandated that face masks are required, but only if you're white. Just, just, just try to digest that. I mean, it's um, you have a man who is wearing lipstick and a dress, uh, telling other white people that they have to follow a set of rules, and uh, non-whites they don't have to take any responsibility or obey, uh, in the midst of all of this destruction caused by these, uh, darker folk and their whites and Jewish allies, uh, hard to wrap you around it, but I think it, I think it's just sort of a trifecta of, of fuck. So there you go. There you go, guys. Uh, it sums up the American situation pretty well. I mean, as I've always said though, BLM is a white liberal movement. None of these people give a shit about Negroes. Nobody gives a shit about Negroes. Negroes don't give a shit about Negroes. Well, I think it was very obviously, um, I think as Darren Beatty laid out repeatedly when this really got going, the hallmark of a color revolution operation. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... BD warned, he said, uh, specifically to Trump, you need to be very careful because generally once these things get going, you don't survive. Whoever this is being employed against doesn't live through it, either politically or literally doesn't live through it, depending on the target. And... It became very apparent that this was far, far more organized. Um, I would say about a week and a half after Floyd got whacked. Um, when Minneapolis was basically razed to the ground, the reaction was not sort of solidify control, make sure this doesn't happen. The exact opposite happened, and I would say that control over the situation collapsed in at least four dozen major and second-tier American cities almost immediately. And it got to the point where Tulsa, Oklahoma, was having a race riot, 
where you had uh, armed security. Well, Tulsa has a history of that. Tulsa yeah, had one of the most hardcore race well, fights in the 20th century. They finally get one. <laughs> yeah, they finally get one. You had armed security patrolling the streets of Miami's Diamond District. You had basically um, citizen patrols in places like Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You had a complete breakdown of law and order and what effectively looked like, to some extent, um, low-grade civil war in cities like Portland and Seattle, where everything short of firearms were being used. Um, Mortar shells, high-powered lasers, knives, all kinds of uh, chemicals uh, were being employed to break in and attack federal buildings, uh, attack certain targets of interest, um, and disrupt all kinds of commercial uh, functionality. Now, it was about a month in when it became this obvious this was a color revolution, when after the initial shock of the violence had set in, and then was continuing on like a low-grade basis in certain cities, again, like Portland and Seattle. Um, the reaction to Floyd's death was kind of presented as this um, martyr moment. And I think seeing Floyd carried to his uh, grave in a golden casket in what can only be described as an occult ritual – um, by hundreds of the country's leading political and social figures for a 50-something-year-old crackhead um, was, to me, a sign of what was being developed against Trump broadly and, I think, uh, the American people in general. And what you were seeing was the elites had effectively – shown that they could very, very quickly mobilize hundreds of thousands, if not millions, into um, low-grade civil war uh, on their side. And that they could then utilize their vast monetary resources, corporate connections, media control to frame a narrative that, in fact, none of the violence even happened and that uh, if it did happen, it was for a good reason. Or the Nazis uh, were uh, uh, the ones who were perpetrating it. That was a uh, a big talking point. Yes, that, that it was that it was that it was actually the other side doing yeah. it all. And so and I, knew, I knew people who even believed that. I, I was yes, shocked yeah. to encounter people who espoused that. It's like, oh, the, all this violence is being instigated by white supremacists. Like, uh, what, um, what? Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, it almost amounted into a full coup. And uh, I don't know if that was the direct intention or they didn't pull it off or what. Um, but I think June was coup really against the, who? Well, the coup was clearly against Donald. For whatever reason, they unveiled all of the elements of the color revolution tactics in rapid succession. 
you can argue that they've been unveiling this stuff and preparing for it for several years now. Um, but generally, the tactics and operations that they definitely utilized after Floyd, and you could see them in real time, normally those take place over a couple months, at least one season, if not one season and a half. Um, these all took place within about a three-week period. Yeah, I, I literally think it was a dry run for yeah. a eventuality around the election. Like yes. Just, you know, making like practice makes perfect. It's it's actually very difficult to get hundreds of people who you're not directly instructing, but are at like a level of removal from to go to a place and do a thing like that's. People way underestimate the complexity of just getting people to go to a place and do a thing. And uh, any reasonable attempt at doing that, you know, usually you have these kind of like NGOs and like local actors with their own networks that have been building for a while. Sometimes you have to build up that sort of stuff. But uh, if you're going to want it in the October, November, December, January time frame, uh, you're you're going to want to have uh, some some assurances that uh, these people are able to learn from their mistakes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that it was clearly a dry run, and just like the f- switch of the, or, I'm sorry, the flip of the switch on the COVID hysteria took only about two weeks to accomplish. A near successful, complete deconstruction of the country and ideological uh, breakdown that would have normally taken decades only took about three weeks. And so clearly this has been a year, I think, of the elites really flexing their capabilities and trying them out in real time and seeing how quickly they can accomplish varying tasks of difficulty and from what i can gather they've gotten it down pretty well where they can effectively implode the entire country in less than a month if needed if they had poured more resources into it and i think um if they you know had done this in an alternative united states with more severe gun control they probably could have pulled it off now That's one of the few things that will obviously keep this at bay is that this sort of wide waged war on private citizenry uh, would not have been possible, or I'm sorry, was not really possible off the bat because enough people with enough weapons and fortitude um, said to these sort of shock troopers, stay the fuck out of our neighborhood or it's over. And you, you know how the only people who get in trouble for doing that are the ones where there's a really clear video of them standing out in the open doing something they're, you know, not supposed to do, according to the mores of the time. Right. Well, it works the other way, too. Exactly. So I think that Floyd, I'm not even convinced George Floyd was a real person. Um but the the Floyd coup was very bizarre only in that it didn't actually complete. We don't know if it was thwarted 
if they couldn't pull it off, if they got cold feet, if something wasn't working. Clearly, they successfully raised an entire city to the ground nearly overnight. So the elements of success for what they wanted were there. It demonstrated the ability of this organization, whatever you want to call it, to literally destroy an American city without any real pushback, uh, or at least a downtown urban sector without any real pushback. I mean, literally burn it to the ground, 200 structures in a night. So going forward, when this happens again, uh, or if there's some new cause du jour, uh, how long do you think it'll take? Two weeks, one week, three days? Uh, I think that these people have been practicing their color rev tactics very effectively for the past 15 years, and now they have it down to what used to take years or months or a season into uh, a couple weeks. And they can cow an entire country and change the nature of that country's ideology very rapidly, at the very least, if not successfully cut off the head of its leadership. Well, if there's any, if there's ever a, a, a Republican president that's close to, or a, a Republican presidential candidate that's close to uh, the margin of error in terms of polling moving forward, I think you're liable to, to see something like that happens, unless it's like a Mitt Romney type um, who's playing ball. If, if, if anyone who's even remotely uh, is, is a nationalist or a populist in, in, in any source. And, and I, 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 you know, if, if, if any of that, if, if Trumpism survives Donald Trump, which I doubt it will, um, but if, if, it, if that does happen and Josh Hawley gets the nomination or someone like that in 2024, I guarantee you this will happen again and it uh it'll be on a, a a larger volume of violence it won't even need to be something like that it could be next year if there's another you know they think that they seem to want to use police brutality as their cause du jour for this stuff if there's another strange set of circumstances where some black dude gets killed by a cop and it's public enough and they direct enough energy into it, they would actually be smarter to do it under a kind of clownish puppet like Biden who will do absolutely nothing about it, who won't even talk about it, who will actively pretend it's not happening. And even if the target is not leadership, I think that they are now focusing their target as the other side Whatever the other side is, the target is no longer take the regime. The target is remove the competing forces altogether, or at least kind of defenestrate them. And so if this is all really an ideological battle, I could easily see them doing it in six months during the next summer under Joe, where he will do literally nothing except cover it up while it's actively ongoing. There, there's a lot of collateral though that that has to be addressed with this though, because even with the sort of the the the, the minor revolution or the, the the faulted revolution that took place in the summer, you're seeing the effects of that uh, have you know really wreck the entire urban landscape of the country. I mean, you look at the murder numbers and and how it's skyrocketed. 
uh, in every like in almost every uh, city. And so yeah. so so yes, yes, I, I I agree with you, Hank. But at a time like they are playing like a really dangerous game there because I, I think you mean Hans there. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hans. It's, 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 it's 1140. The voice confusion <laughs> happens I, again, <laughs> but they are playing a, a very dangerous game because the, there can be a real backlash to this and it might not be in the way that's fantasyful and in, in that, like, you know, right wing militias rising up to, like there could be like, you know, local governments being unable to do anything but enact, you know, law and order um, and, and, and crack down because they're getting affected uh, financially. Yeah, I would say that um, a lot the permanent uh, liberal revolution against the white working class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah that's yeah. I would say that city governments like Baltimore, Oakland, Portland are just fucked. And they have no way of, of, of navigating out of this. And I don't know if that was the intention, but clearly they are assuming some level of risk and side effects to this plan. Minneapolis was a stronghold for their interests and they let it burn to the ground and have basically destroyed any desirability for people to want to live there. So it really calls into question, do these people even care about collateral damage? And if they don't, what's the what's the bigger end game? What was the real purpose of turning Minneapolis to ash and forcing everyone to leave. Um, something else was going on with Floyd and all of this that I still don't, we still don't know if this was thwarted, if they got cold feet, if something didn't work right, but clearly they had big plans and they wouldn't have sacrificed multiple, multiple cities to only then kind of call it off. Um, and I don't, I mean, I kind of buy that it was a dry run, but I almost get the feeling that it wasn't intended to be, and that maybe this was supposed to go on and on and on all the way through September and result in total breakdown of the U S I don't know, but that's kind of the feeling I was getting in June was this could go on forever. And if it does, this, the country is is Swiss cheese. It's just not going to survive four months of intense, low-grade civil war that doesn't get talked about. I, I think it was just adding fuel to the fire already begun by the COVID stuff to soften up uh, whatever remained of the Trump camp to also create the conditions for a desire for change and a uh, hope for a better alternative, which I think they're very conveniently inserting now. Uh, so I, I think that's really what it was. It was just a confluence yeah, of... Yeah, they just want to keep the party going. I, I agree. On July? Yeah, I think I think you guys covered that all pretty well. Let's see what we got. I mean, you know, a lot of this is still spillover from that st stupid BLM stuff, but... 
let's let's see if I got anything else. Okay, so I mentioned uh, Elon before. Uh, July is when Elon kind of became a meme of the month. Uh, hanging out with Kanye, uh, doing orange. Uh, got uh, Grimes in the uh, sort of photobomb reflection of the house that they're in. Uh, this people were transposing the heads on these guys for some reason. It's kind of funny. Uh, Tesla, uh, breaks a $200 billion market cap. I think they've surpassed that, but this is when they pass Toyota and Volkswagen, uh, and Honda as the, uh, as the top by market cap automaker in the world, not by unit sales. Uh, this particular, uh, graph or table does not have their unit sales, but if I had to guess, uh, Toyota pumps out, uh, at least 10 million a year. Uh, Tesla is doing about one tenth of that. Volkswagen is comparable to, uh, Toyota. If you put Toyota and Volkswagen together in market cap, they would still be less than what a Tesla is today because this is back in July. Uh, Tesla has been included in the S and P 500, which has increased the demand for the stock even more because all these pension funds have to, uh, do their, uh, their matching and, and the index funds have to do the same thing. So it just creates a, a huge amount of money. Uh, so he, he's become, um, quite the, uh, man of man of the month. And interestingly enough though, if you follow him uh, over the past few years, he's been more open about his politics. He put out a tweet, uh, sort of very obviously, uh, referring to Karl Marx, but it, it sort of ascribes the quote to hungry Santa because Karl Marx had one of these giant beards. Uh, and it basically just says, uh, Elon Musk says Das Kapital in a nutshell. Uh, there's a picture of Karl Marx and he says, uh, give me that for free. Uh, he went on Rogan and he sort of espoused some, uh, you know, anti, anti collectivist attitudes. He was very much, uh, and I'll, I'll paraphrase what he said, but he says, if you do not, uh, produce things, you do not have things. Uh, so I think he's very much kind of, uh, center, uh, right in his economic viewpoints. Uh, and there were a few more Pretty rich from somebody who gets a lot of subsidies from the state. He, he does. I agree with you. He certainly does. So, um, you know, he's a P.T. Barnum in many ways. I don't think he's a complete fraud, though. I think uh, he does actually make things. So I will give him some credit. But he's he's a hell of a salesman, no doubt. So that's all I had on uh, Elon. Uh, anything you guys want to say before? I got another one here. Reddit, Delinda asked. That's all I got to say on this. Subject, yes, Adam. absolutely. <laughs> and I got some red stuff for another story in July, but I'm going to wait till. Adam prompts me on that one. Oh, well, you know, I don't have too, too many, so uh, you can jump in whenever. But I just wanted to say uh, Tucker Carlson uh, in July had the uh, highest rated show in cable news history, according to whatever ranking that's from. Uh, that was uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, Lane Maxwell has tapes of two prominent U.S. politicians having sex with minors, uh, July 11th, 2020. She sort of got brushed aside from the the headlines. That that one just did not capture people's imagination like Epstein. Now now that you've mentioned her, though, so (laughs) 
Glenn Maxwell was arrested in July that after she had was not seen in quite some time. And a conspiracy theory began, well, quote unquote, began to emerge that one of the top Redditors of all time within the top yes. 10 of Link, uh, Link uh, Karma, uh, Maxwell Hill might be Ghislaine Maxwell. And the evidence for this was that, well, the name Maxwell's in there. The They shared the same birthday by the same circumstantial evidence, which was December 25th. Uh, they knew that Maxwell Hill was a woman based off of the uh, moder- moderator chat uh, chat logs. She was very and this uh, Maxwell Hill was uh, very defensive of any pedophilia scandals, rarely ever commented about Epstein, only commented twice on that. I was in charge of a lot of very sketchy, uh, very sketchy subreddits. But the key thing was Maxwell Hill stopped posting right after Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested. I checked in on the account six months later, still has not posted and they try to dismiss like uh, uh, article um, rags like Vice tried to dismiss this as a kooky, crazy conspiracy theory. Well, Maxwell Hill still has not posted in six months. So you had somebody connected to Jeffrey Epstein who was deeply entrenched into one of the most popular tech subreddit uh, tech sites in the world, and we know for a fact that. Jeffrey Epstein was deeply interested in tech as well. So, I mean, just goes to show how much these tech people are enmeshed in this pedophilia, child trafficking rings all around the world. I, I mean, it, it could have just been somebody in Mossad had it a Reddit account and they were just posting <laughs> on behalf of one of their agents. I mean, it, you know, so it's it not necessarily Reddit. Maxwell. So it's Gillian Maxwell. <laughs> Well, she probably is a shitty author. I mean, it's probably just some goon, you know, who works in Tel Aviv. I mean, I, I, I she have time for so this? I mean, she's, Maxwell. Yeah, she's she's yeah, at Maxwell. she's at swinger parties. Like, and, and Robert Maxwell. Yeah, I mean, so, no, but these so guys don't do low level crap Adam. like that. Like, I mean, these these socialite like pedophile elites. Like what? Like what do they spend their free time doing? Like. Of course they would spend it on Reddit. Like what yeah. where else would they be? Come on, they're at parties. Like, that's, that's what we know well, we know for a fact that Ellen Reddit. Powell was at the same parties as Ghislaine Maxwell. Ellen Powell talked about it. No, I, yeah. I think I think that, was, that yeah. that's true. But I don't think Ghislaine <laughs> Maxwell's gotta waste time typing on her keyboard. You know, she's on her cell phone and uh, going to weddings with the Clintons. I mean, fuck, you know. Like, well, you... and there is enough output on that that it's plausible that it's a collaborative effort. I mean, that's the secret to high clout, high volume uh, Twitter and uh, Reddit accounts is that they're often collaborations. Why would the account stop posting, though, after Galen? Well, because she was leading the collaboration. Like ah. if she's got if she's got like, you know, 15 minions, either, you know, you can contract people to do this um, or, you know, be assigned them uh, if you happen to have the uh, what is it? Hasabra. Uh, I, I forget what's written on my checks, but uh, you know, <laughs> I just assume, I just assumed she was doing it on the shitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that she was. If, if it was her, so like, I'm sure she had some she contribution the to there. But it's also like, okay, well, here's you know, 90 other things to pick and choose from, and just copy paste in there. So yeah, one of the more interesting things that came out about Ghislaine this year too, I can't remember if it was in July or maybe later this year when some of the court documents got released, but 
in an absolutely bizarre exchange in the deposition proceedings, they asked her what citizens she was a country. Uh, I'm sorry, what countries she was a citizen of. And one of the countries she named was Terramar, huh? which is the name of her now defunct Oceanic Conservatory Foundation or whatever. This yeah, that, that means the, uh, like Earth Sea in Latin. Yeah, no, well, it, I actually, I was curious about this. Uh, Terramar has a strange history uh, as a word cognate within Italian history. Um, there was a culture within late Bronze Age Italy in the north of Italy, far, far before the rise of Rome, that was called the Terramare culture. And they literally called themselves, and it refers to black earth in Italian, or ancient Italian. And these people, um, not much is known about them, other than they possibly may have been, in, in fact, some kind of offshoot of the Etruscans, but they had a curious civilizational um, uh, pattern in which they would prefer to build sort of standing homes on stilts on bodies of water. I have to screech into Alfred Rosenberg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that coming? Well, if anyone has read, if anyone is has read the uh, the book that uh, coincidentally our podcast shares a name with, uh, pure coincidence. <laughs> well, it, it's very odd, um, and so ultimately, for her to say that she was a citizen of Terramar um, was maybe one of the more bizarre things in a series of very bizarre revelations and. Um, those court documents that was revealed. Um, I think I mentioned this already. The fact that she was apparently, it is apparently married, um, did come up, and uh, that she has had like a longstanding relationship with the uh, head of a shipping conglomerate is also curious. But um, the Terramar stuff was absolutely bizarre. And it kind of, I think, heightened people's belief that uh, whatever she was involved in or was doing basically was part of some kind of international sex trafficking operation. And uh, she was definitely, when she wasn't like posting on our world news, she was running a top secret oceanic country or whatever and uh, engaging in mass sex trafficking. Uh, truly um, a bizarre addition to the ongoing Epstein saga, which has mostly faded from public memory. I think, again, due to corona and um, the death of um, uh, the whatever's name, the crackhead. And uh, I, I think that had none of this happened, it would have probably been a larger story this year, and there would have been more public attention on, okay, who exactly was hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein? 
And what the fuck was Ghislaine Maxwell's role in all of this, which has still not been adequately explained? Who was who is this woman? No, it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Do? It's pretty simple. Her Ghislaine's role mm-hmm. was to take w- young women into the, the the fold because young women are are naturally going to be more comfortable around another woman and not be as threatened by them. But what she would do is she would introduce uh, those women to, she's, as a madam does, introduce them uh, to uh, male partners that were either being blackmailed or uh, they were being uh, offered a bribe effectively. So that was her job. And she, she has, her father was a Mossad agent. She was likely a Mossad agent, as is Epstein. Uh, and I'm not sure he's dead. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that was her job. I mean, she was connected. She was introducing uh, powerful men to underage girls to get them on tape. And she was, she was a key role, though, because, again, as a female, she can, she can break down the, uh, the natural resistance or mistrust a young woman might have to a, a strange man. Yeah, the thing is that if you're trustworthy enough to be involved in one aspect of uh, an organization as kind of like personal as the one around Jeffrey Epstein, like it wasn't like he had a whole crew of people. Uh, There was a fairly small number of people. One would imagine that you sort of get trusted with a, a floating portfolio. So I, I really would doubt that her, uh, her services were limited to procurement. Oh yeah, for sure. With, with her, with her background, and again, like there's so much that can that that there are so many known unknowns uh, with with Epstein because he he is you know he feels very much like a a, a fictitious person in a lot of ways, um, just a, a complete spook background but with her background in, in intelligence and, and her being very clearly groomed uh being the, the favorite child of robert maxwell um to, to it wouldn't put it past me to if, if she was the brains of the operation or 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 was a, a handler of some sort um because everything about jeffrey epstein that comes out he didn't come across. He doesn't come across as as an intelligence per, as an intelligent person. Not really a devious person. Just someone who was just incredibly Jewish and incredibly horny, um, and incredibly full of himself. Um, and in terms of international pedophile rings, you wouldn't want to to handle. You wouldn't want to give someone like that the reins of 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 controlling it. She seems to be a, a bit more put together uh, in terms of. Uh, her personality sociopathies. Well, another news from July, uh, there was a, we haven't done a lot of science reporting so far. There was a interesting paper that came out that, uh, one of the major genetic risk factors for, uh, COVID, uh, was inherited from archaic Neanderthals over 60,000 years ago. Very odd. Uh, I think it definitely somewhat fits with Nick's thesis that uh, perhaps this may have been uh, more targeted in a sense. This might have been intended for something very specific. 
very strange. And uh, the only other bit of news I have is that uh, U.S. coal consumption plunged to the lowest level since 1973. And uh, the coal industry is uh, is pretty much on the ropes and likely is uh, will, will remain for sort of uh, auxiliary energy sources, but will certainly uh, die out more and more as natural gas becomes the, the primary energy mechanism for uh, most of the U.S. economy. Let's keep on trucking. Yeah. August. Hit me, Adam. Okay, Adam. Adam you there? New show. What was that? <laughs> oh, we lost Adam. We're on. I am hosting I, now. I, I took a bathroom break. It's a long show. I was doing a lot of fishing in it's August. The counter coup that no one expected. <laughs> <laughs> the myth color revolution. Is that why my screen is black? We're uh, we're. We're shooting for August, Adam. Okay. We wear black now. Good. Uh, all right. Hey, Adam, we're doing August. Just so you know. <laughs> all right. Uh, Paul Joseph Watson reports, Goodyear is facing calls for a boycott after a slide uh, outlining the company's zero-tolerance policy uh, said that Black Lives Matter and LGBT attire was acceptable, but that MAGA attire and All Lives Matter slogans were not. We didn't really cover the uh, the whole corporate group uh, rugby pile-in of just billions upon billions, uh, probably nonsense accounting, but nonetheless, uh, on paper and in publicity, uh, pushing for the uh, BLM across the board. Uh, forgot her, or actually, I do remember it now. Ashley Ray Goldberg, she used to go by Communism Kills on Twitter. They kicked her off uh, after she posted this, but she put up a, a giant list of all the companies that were, uh, you know, Fortune 500 scale companies. Uh, so we're talking, you know, billions of dollars in revenues. Uh, she put up a list of about 200 or so companies that were promoting this stuff. Uh, and I, I've, I've heard many, uh, Many uh, a commentator, a thoughtful person, observe that uh, the left, when they they think that they're the resistance, yet they have the backing of uh, half of the Fortune 500 largest companies in America. Um, the the psyop is 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 strong with this one. Like they they just they just are are useful idiots. It's it's unbelievable. So there's just a little example of. Uh, another company doing that and they were facing calls for boycott, but I guarantee people will forget. Um, they'll still get their tires. I'm sure. A modern and progressive tire company. Yep. Uh, Twitter bans well, in that tr- same vein. Yep. Hold on. Well, in that same vein, there was a pretty groundbreaking story that came out. Um, Christopher Rufo really came on the scene. He was sort of a nobody beforehand. Um, but he broke the story on Sandia National Laboratories, which is the uh, nuclear labs, National Nuclear Laboratory for the United States, held a training on white privilege and white male culture. And in his reporting on this, he was able to get a hold of uh, slides, even pictures of this training session, which was basically full-on ritual humiliation of uh, the white males who work 
in the um, in the Na- Sandia National Laboratory. Uh, it's got quite a bit of attention. It's kind of catapulted his career. The the strange thing was that uh, they were forced to write on a um, like a whiteboard or a piece of paper or something like that all the things that they associate uh, that or that they ought to associate with white men. And uh, some of the things were privilege, mass killing, uh, can't dance, supremacists, Aryan nations, and MAGA hat. Nuclear physics. Yeah. Uh, this was fascinating because I think it really highlighted just how corrupt most of the institutions in this country really are. And it puts into uh, context why Trump was, I think, more motivated to issue those executive orders, effectively banning critical race theory, because I think he was then made aware uh, that it's no longer just Goodyear Tire or McDonald's that are doing mandatory sensitivity training and uh, you know anti-white sort of discrimination and propaganda. It's now the National Nuclear Laboratory is doing it as well and is alienating the people who are keeping U.S. nuclear. Uh, projection capabilities online and well-developed. So that was, to me, uh, the biggest story of August was uh, the total unveiling of how bad things are in the federal government where uh, there are people who are paid millions of dollars to browbeat you and um, propagandize to you and brainwash you into hating yourself. Um, simply for being white and doing your job. Yeah, the, the critical race theory, uh, this was highlighted, was it just last week with the New York Times uh, writing the article about how white people uh, should get the vaccines last and how teachers shouldn't be regarded as uh, essential workers because they're too white. I, I, the, the, the critical race uh, propaganda has really been... Oh yeah, it has been has been simmering um, for a while, and uh, it's it's going to uh, it's going to come back in force under a uh, Biden Kamala regime. Um, it's going to be really bleak, and and the, and again, like uh, you mentioned, Trump banning it, like. Uh, this should have been a day one thing. Like, why did he like he, he, he waited? He stopped funding a month before the election programs that supported that sort of stuff. He did. Well, and also it's one of those things where you issue it with no follow up. There's no enforcement. There's no like legal structure around what exactly it yeah. is that you're banned. So it, it's it's like much of what he did. It's like big tweet executive yes. order six months later and then nothing if there's one thing that this whole four years with trump has proven amongst as a reflection of right wingers uh, at least those that have attached themselves to trump is how little they seem to understand the importance of infrastructure and building a core of support that can enact your orders 
It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if you have somebody at the top. If he's got nobody beneath him that's yep. going yes. to follow through on it, then there's no point in having somebody at the top. Completely yep. agree. Your and local you info have, shop is more effective at that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's like a whole thing uh, that needs to be written. Probably I'll take a stab at it about what you do if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a decades in the making organization at your back. But the short version is like, (laughs) honestly, like if he had desired to control the United States government with the handful of people that he had, it's like, if you're willing to put on a MAGA hat, then I'll put you in charge of something Mm -hmm. and everything else gets burned to the ground. (laughs) Yeah, it's messy, but probably a hell of a lot more effective than what we've had. Uh, I got two more from August and then we can move on unless of course anyone has a story, but uh, I'll leave. I think the bigger one for, for last, Um, if I can get my notes together here, I'll do number two. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Trump, uh, Twitter bans Trump from tweeting until he removes post containing coronavirus misinformation. I mean, I think this is just a larger like encroachment of the social media into the uh, populist president, uh, so-called populist president, Donald Trump, uh, where every tweet he's been putting out, I mean, at least 90% of them that I've seen on Twitter have been uh, sandboxed with this exclamation mark uh, sort of explaining how wrong he is. And this is like one of the few people who gets this treatment. And it, again, it's it's just amazing how this crappy company in san francisco which loses money that is owned by saudi arabian princes uh gets to dictate the voice of the president of the united states uh it's it's really amazing how much power uh these uh these non-elected official people have i think that's what it really shows uh all right last big one um little boy uh, named uh, Cannon Hinnant, I believe is how you pronounce it, was uh, was shot point blank by his neighbor, a uh, black man. Uh, Cannon was a white, white kid as he rode his bike uh, in his yard in front of his two sisters, eight and seven. Um, the, the lack of reporting of this, I think, is the big story. Uh, because uh, if people are going to accuse a five-year-old of riding his bike too hard or something, I, I don't quite know what the uh, justification for this uh, black man for doing this is. I mean, you know, if the, if the race is reversed, it's not justified. But the fact that the story is not picked up, I well, think, is really well, the lesson yeah, here. Imagine seeing that story and having your response be that his life matters as much as a worthless fucking nigga. Yeah. Wasn't like Con Inc. trying to do that. They were trying to like tie it into George Floyd. Like we respect all life. Yeah, and we, yes, we need that's to, exactly what they tried yeah, to do. Yeah. I I took and to read the news that day. It is interesting that when confronted with like something that horrible, the mainstream conservative establishment's first 
re like thought process is uh we better <laughs> find a way to make this inclusive it's their job yeah it's what they're there to do yes 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 yeah. yes yeah well i have one story from august uh, it was reported in august that the california cannabis tax revenues soar to their highest ever uh, in uh, quarter one and quarter two of 2020, they were uh, 150% above that same period in 2018. Um, this is, of course, explained by uh, the Californian permanent lockdown. I think California has basically been in some state of uh, statewide lockdown since April. And um, today it was actually announced that uh, this would be indefinite, at least for the Southern California region. So... Uh, Good for them. High. They get to they get yeah. to tax people more and give it to illegals. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, and and meanwhile they're going to dope up uh, all the people who live there uh, more than the Soviet Union did with their vodka factories. I mean, it's just yeah. I, I, people got to see what's going the, on here. The the one thing that genuinely it it it, it is a, it comes as a general shock to me that marijuana has has hasn't been legalized yet like that that actually genuinely shocks me because what what better what better uh, suppressant uh is out there than than that stuff well ideally for them the best place to have it in is if it was legalized constant. nationwide go ahead Nick. Uh, sorry boys uh, you go ahead well, okay. Uh, I was just going to make the point that I, my my personal take on that, uh, the reason it wasn't legalized nationwide is because it was used to strategically create inflows into key areas, for example, Colorado and Oregon. Mm. Uh, and if you was, legalized it nationwide, you would have a little less incentive to, to have those population movements take place. I, I, that's my, my main contention. And that, that's kind of alongside what I was going to say as well, because they would rather have it in the state where it's basically easy to get if you want it, and they can start promoting it a little bit, but they want to be able to have it in a weird legal gray area so that they can, so that it increases the legal bureaucracy for it, but especially the police, the ability to use police measures whenever they need to, whenever they need to apply whatever drug penalties they need to do on somebody they're going after or it's it, as long they need to keep that tool in their toolkit. So by keeping in this Definitely. weird quasi legal, quasi illegal status across the country where you're not even sure how legal it is, where you are at any given time is where they want it to be. Yeah. And in poor, in poor rural red areas, uh, they want to keep it illegal so that the pigs can have the they can bust uh, unending benefit of civil asset forfeiture. Well, yep. no, yeah, it smells like dope. What can I fucking steal from you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. September. Yep. Go for it. Yeah. September. <laughs> September <laughs> revolution. That was the month I got married. It was a good month for me. Good for you. Um, yeah, best, rub it in. Best, Congratulations. Best wishes. Congratulations, uh, Jeff Bezos became the first. Oh, speaking of divorce, uh, Jeff Bezos becomes the first person ever worth two hundred billion dollars. This is post-divorce, people. Uh, Amazon has been uh, 
to use the cringiest of cringe Silicon Valley terms, killing it this year. Discuss comments, yeah. anything. Well, uh, I mean, we, we talked about Bill Gates. Uh, Adam won't stop bringing up Elon Musk for some strange reason. I'm kidding, Adam. Uh, Thanks. But let's, <laughs> can, we, can we talk about uh, the, the Lizard King, uh, Jeff Bezos, for a bit? He's, uh, he seems to be... He's the not, humble book it, merchant. He, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> seem to be interested in uh, uh, the accolades of uh, Harvard or uh, Stephen Colbert. He's, he's just... Uh, that is true. Uh, that's, uh, that's debatable. Um, I mean, he owns the Washington Post, but yes, right. On. That's uh, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Uh, you know, this that's sort of a long running campaign that you don't necessarily want to uh, switch on until you actually need it. And he he seems to be like pretty damn focused on capital accumulation at the moment. He's got a couple of kind of uh, meaningless billionaire plaything uh, side projects. It's like. I have a rocket company yeah. too. Yeah, I have rockets like, too. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, Blue Origin. It's like you. Well, you get the guys that like. Well, they don't actually want to make rockets, or they'd be at SpaceX, and they they don't want the pension, uh, or they'd be at Bo- Boeing or Lockheed. So it's like you kind of get some third raters there. Uh, I'm sure they're great, um, but that uh, company has not been nearly as successful. Right. Uh, I think that's really, I mean, he has his forever clock. That's his sort of uh, indulgence. Um, but really, long now, institute. Like you can, fun, fun you podcast. can see, you can see his kind of like investment in the Washington Post as the same sort of political capital accumulation that he's been doing uh, with uh, just you know, monetary capital at Amazon. It's like and if you deals, actually. His, his deals with the CIA too. I think that was uncovered this year. Yeah. Well, well, the Washington Post was the legacy CIA paper. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, it's like if Amazon ever makes Going a profit back to that's Graham. that they could be using to crush their competitors. And if anyone ever has a positive uh, thought about Jeff Bezos, that's uh, that's PR uh, that you could be using to, uh, to ruthlessly crush your competitors as well. Well, there's a, there's a figure that America's 614 billionaires grew their net worth by a collective $931 billion this year. And Bezos is definitely no small part of that. I think it was announced in the second half of the year that he's the first person to be worth $200 billion. Yeah. And so the impression that I get from uh, what whatever Bezos is really up to um, is strictly concerned with filling in for whatever roles the U.S. government wants him to fill in for. So like this year, he's effectively become the uh, single retailer of the United States. The U.S. government basically says, well, we're having an economic collapse and a pandemic, um, but people still need to buy and sell things. Why don't you do that? And Amazon Marketplace is now the... uh, probably purely dominant retailer in the country. Um, You can look at his role in expanding supply chain and logistics for his own company and other companies. He's basically become his own third-party logistics company or 3PL overnight. 
and he's doing logistics for the U.S. Army, for God knows who else. Um, if you look at basically turning computing into a utility, which is what AWS has become, much of the internet has been become wholly reliant on Bezos. Um, and even his foray into Whole Foods and other small food ventures gives me the impression that now he is in more and more direct control of the U.S. food supply and thus commodity prices. And so the way that Bezos seems to really be operating is just filling in roles that the government needs him to fill in for on mass scale. And when he uh, decides to make some move, it's not like it's really Jeff Bezos making the move. It's some kind of agreement between him and whatever the government powers are that they need something taken care of. And so I assume that the next foray for Bezos, especially after this year, will be healthcare. When, however that shapes out, I think there's been discussions of Amazon turning itself into a, um, a, pharma, a pharmacy. Ba- pharmacy. There's a lot of problems with that, but I'm sure they could figure out a way around it. Yeah, get get um, your vaccine shot by Amazon drone, and if you I don't, if you well, don't open well, the door, it'll it, break the window. Yeah. Can't wait to drone in my my soma. Oh, it's gonna be so good. And I think that not only pharmacy, yeah, but creating delivery, creating a holistic solution to all of it will be um, their bread and butter because that's effectively what they do. They create a holistic stack of solutions that you know from from all pieces of vertical integration and get something to you, and they control pretty much all of it along the way. And so my thinking is that. Uh, he'll definitely go into healthcare, and it'll be very broad. And it won't just be from a pharmacy standpoint. It'll be from offering healthcare newsletters to healthcare analytics on AWS, and it'll also involve probably injecting money into hospital chains, and be injecting money into clinics, into all kinds of different commercial real estate ventures to boost his ability to control that market. And I think that uh, Bezos will definitely get more and more involved in uh, rescuing the collapsing uh, industrial REIT market. And you can kind of see that. I brought this up before on the show. um, Their agreement that they came to in August or September with Simon Property Group for access to over 200 mostly derelict commercial real estate properties across the country. And those will be utilized for Amazon last mile delivery amongst other purposes. What this is effectively doing is Amazon bailing out the CMBS market and bailing out the commercial real estate market by utilizing a lot of its stored capital to then just to retool them for something else. But it'll help the most of that industry stave off widespread financial collapse. So I expect that it'll be healthcare and the property game, the real estate game, is what he'll get into next. And um, inevitably, when he employs more and more people, I think he's already pledged to try and employ another 100,000 by next year, they will then begin working on residential housing. 
So if Amazon gets into the residential housing market, then I would say that the purpose of Bezos is to fill in the holes as best he can the, for the U.S. government to kind of stave off um, serious problems, whatever those are. His role is there to kind of leverage the vast amount of money he can make and his vast toward capital. And just his kind of good image, like he doesn't, before the divorce stuff, it was really only people like us that had a bad opinion of Bezos or thought he was up to something. And so if you put all that together, I think that his role is to basically take over a lot of key functions uh, in managing the country. And he gets to do it while making money. He doesn't have to exactly, yeah. uh, you know, abide by public transparency laws and things like that, which come with elected office. I mean, what better vector to do a pincher movement on the entire population than Amazon Prime? People have right. there are more people who have Amazon Prime memberships than there are registered to vote. Uh, it's unbelievable <laughs> how much and look, you know voting i mean jesus christ this year i mean what a joke but the fact that people get their well as a non-voter and amazon prime member i can confirm this (laughs) yeah which is actually more useful and valuable to people and so if you're going to pick a vector pick amazon prime uh and and look at all the data they have access to i mean people's uh target got uh got smeared and slammed because they use some machine learning algorithms to uh, correctly predict uh, a woman's um, menstrual cycle because she was buying uh, buying certain things that would indicate she was pregnant. Uh, and, and people thought, oh, we're so aghast, you know, this like uh, uh, intrusive privacy violation. Well, you think Target's bad? I mean, look at Amazon. How much information do they have on your shopping history, your books, you know, your intellectual interests, uh, your entertainment interests with Amazon Prime, uh, your consumer interests. Uh, your address. Uh, yes. uh, I mean, they, you know, that's part of what I'm talking about when they have a full stack solution. And once they get into the healthcare market, it's game over. Because once they can integrate healthcare data with your prime membership, your address and your shopping history and your interests, your search history, what you watch on Amazon Prime, they have a pretty good portrait of who you are. And the kind of power that gives them is arguably more power than most levels of the federal government or state governments have. So I think that that is where this is ultimately going, is that it'll be healthcare, commercial real estate, residential real estate, and then along with that, maybe infrastructure. And that'll effectively corner two-fifths, three-fifths of the U.S. economy, where they will have some major role in managing day-to-day. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, people forgot about the uh, Sherman antitrust laws conveniently because the media doesn't talk about them. Uh, all right. Well, here's one that uh, was talked about for a microsecond. Uh, Netflix, the other 
uh, eyeball uh, from 1984 into your bedroom. Uh, Cuties backlash led Netflix U.S. cancellations to spike nearly eightfold, analytics firm says, according to Variety. Cuties was a uh, child uh, pornography uh, show. I, I, clue me in, guys. It was it was something to do with kids prancing around, but what exactly was it? It was basically supposed to. It was supposed to be this film based on supposedly on somebody's true story, of, you know, being groomed and or what have you. But it, the way that it's presented is, it might as well be softcore child porn. It, I mean, it's basically a. It has a plot that's supposed to say show you how child exploitation is bad, but it's one of those things like, well, we're going to show you 120 minutes of softcore child porn and three minutes of a message. Look how bad this is. Let me zoom up. Let me zoom. Let me do a close up shot to uh, some child's crotch area. Look how bad the, it is, guys. And the yeah. only reason why it got the, to be honest, this is they, the, if they, well, I mean, I'm firmly doing, believe that they did this specifically as, you know, the humiliation part of, of a culture. But if they really wanted to get it, like, if they really wanted to fly under the radar, they wouldn't have advertised it the way they did, which is what brought attention to it in the first place was because of the advertisements, the posters that depicted very sexualized children on the cover. Because it, it, it is like it's a French Israel like I think the 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 filmmaker is an Israeli, but it's also like a French film. So, yeah. like Americans don't watch foreign films, especially conservatives. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, un, un, other than the the poster, I don't think uh, the controversy would have uh, would have even occurred because uh, Netflix have gotten into trouble previously. Uh, doing other some some risque stuff. If, if I remember correctly, I think a few years ago they had to pull a movie, another foreign film that had a new child in it. Um, there was the brouhaha about the Brazilian film that depicted Jesus as a homosexual. That was uh, a somewhat famous story when the uh, production office of that uh, film was bombed. I think in Brazil. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, tenderless, uh, no less. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, Netflix has had a a, a history uh, of doing really disgusting things. Yeah, and it, their founder, he, he, it's openly known that he was a CIA officer or agent. Is that right, Reed Hoff? Uh, no, it's not. Well, Reed he Hoffman. was a it's Peace Reed Corps. He was. He worked Peace Corps. Peace Corps. Corps. Right. Of so. course. He was a CIA officer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, uh, his story is weird. He was basically a dipshit hippie loser, became a Peace Corps officer, came back, and somehow got a master's in mathematics and computer science. And then. So, sounds like Ep Epstein becoming yeah. a billionaire where nobody ever did any. Uh, financial transactions or uh funding of his fund uh he was basically a money launderer he did a lot of currency trading uh and he was a professor at mit somehow uh and but he was running orgies in the caribbean he could just do all that you know you know no no sweat the other creepy aspect of netflix which doesn't get as discussed as much i guess because maybe it's just taken for granted but this was a re revolutionary thing that netflix did as a streaming site is you would think that okay i'm building a streaming site so i just want to make a big library that's going to make it easy for people to access that's how a person who's not deeply thinking into of how business and technology and their merger 
thinks about this stuff. I just want a big library that's accessible. Well, that's not how these people think, and that's not how Reed Hastings thinks. And they developed Netflix specifically the way that they the way they continued to innovate with it was that how do we keep people constantly watching? That's when the algorithms came into play. But they, Reed Hastings has talked about this stuff. Is that their goal is to make it so you never turn off Netflix. And they have been fine-tuning that as much as possible. The various features, the way they change the site, the layout, the way it auto-plays into the next thing. We, again, take that for granted. But this was, when they were doing this for the first time, this was revolutionary for a streaming service. And they want us constantly integrated with a 24-7 media environment. And eventually that 24-7 media environment is going to involve softcore child porn. Uh, speaking of... Uh children uh halloween canceled um this is the headline it wasn't actually canceled but the cdc advises americans to not go trick-or-treating uh that kind of happened i didn't see too many trick-or-treaters there were a few but it it was pretty much shut down Uh, any halloween thoughts i'm ghetto adjacent so i was perfectly fine with halloween being canceled where i live yeah, geez. I don't even know what you do for that. I mean, you either put candy out or watch your house get burned down. I mean, or that's that's October 30th. Well, no, I don't I thankfully don't live in Detroit anymore, but it's yeah. not not much prettier where I am now. Right. 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 Um All Hallows Eve Eve. All right. Uh let's see. I don't know what else. Oh, uh I'd actually recommend this. Osama bin Laden's niece uh, was interviewed by uh, Paul Joseph Watson. Uh, very interesting interview. Uh, and uh, she said, only Trump can prevent another 9-11. Well, no, too late for that, I guess. Are you forgetting the best story of October? And I mean, Hans. The, the Hunter Biden cockpit. Oh. Extravaganza. Oh. <laughs> The, the gift that keeps on giving. Hell. <laughs> raise your hand if you raise your hand if you measured it. Yeah. So if you've seen Hunter Biden's dick, you're not gonna make it. I'm sorry. <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> Does anyone remember Jim Hoff from the Gateway Pundit, like oh, steadfastly yeah. uh, analyzing every single <laughs> dick pic? <laughs> Oh God! Here's another clue about the Chinese takeover. The best thing was that, like, the the Chinese guys who were running the op, like every day was a new. It wasn't just like here's a bunch of dick pics. It's like we will post one dick pic every 24 hours <laughs> until. Isn't, it, is, isn't that how terrorists something. and hostage situations go? <laughs> Oh man, I have some other funny stories. Um, Apparently, the laptop uh, shop repair shop owner guy is alive. Well, so. he went into hiding. He claimed yeah. uh, you're forgetting For- that Trump got COVID in October, oh, and right. he then tweeted about it, um, which, which was, was an all-time uh, tweet. It was like a quote tweet of somebody <laughs> else calling him a invincible hero. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, a tiger, a tiger in India killed eight people, and the Indian government like launched a nationwide hunt for the tiger. An unprovoked. Um, 
yeah, man on, yeah. on tiger incidents. And just tiger. disgusting. Man, that wouldn't have happened 4,000 years ago. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. And, uh, of course, um, we forgot the Jeffrey Tubin scandal. Oh. The, uh, the Zoom masturbation extravaganza. He's, he still has his job, correct? No, no he got fired. He's, he's, he's got, like, different gigs. They, wow. they are trying to rehabilitate him. They Every... Like every other week or every month, there's a story about basically how you know how how Jeffrey Tubin got uh, got done wrong by the way that he got people turned his back. Turned who's his back who's Jeffrey Tubin? For for me <laughs> and the people who don't know, I don't know who that is. Legal Thank advisor God. for like CNN or like the legal analysis. Extremely Some Jewish reason. legal advisor. Yes. He wrote yeah, a good book about the OJ Simpson trial, though. I will say that. Okay. Who but, who is uh, the guy yeah, who's doing was, the tentacle porn tab? Uh, no, that's Eichenwald. Eichenwald, yeah. <laughs> Same yeah, idea. Yeah, but no, uh, Tubin had his uh, had his hog out on on a Zoom call with Andrew. Not just out. Oh, the uh, the hog was rooting around. <laughs> <laughs> but Andrew Moran digging for truffles. <laughs> this is like in a break when they were doing a, a weird like role play with Andrew Moran's playing the role of like a, of a far right or or Nazi shit yeah, poster. That was the buried lead. It was like, why is the New Yorker doing war gaming for like how they're going to respond to various election outcomes? Like, I found that a lot more interesting than like. <laughs> Dude, well, like, found jerks so off on camera, manages to not get fired immediately. We have to realize that the the election simulation was, like, stimulating to him. This dude was getting a quarter chub just thinking about, like, Trump losing the election. I assume that there was some, like, sultry 23-year-old staffer who was like, we're out in the streets, there's so many of us, and we're going to march, we're going to march so hard. To march on the White House if he doesn't give it up. <laughs> I, ironically, give it up. if I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, they actually did have a list of the people who was on a Zoom call with, and it was like just hideous, like Yenta goblins. So his his and, taste in women, just the worst. And Andrew Morantz too. Andrew yeah, and Morantz Andrew. was on that call. Andrew Morantz, pick your poison. Yeah, they, they kind of, they're still trying to rehabilitate him. And I mean, eventually he'll just Al Franken, Jeffrey Tube, and all these all these people will have jobs and careers back. Just they're just trying to wait it out. Well, there's two more stories from October that I have. Uh, one was the inexplicable global Muslim jihad declared against Emmanuel Macron. Uh, uh, yeah, that was goofy. Uh, Possibly gay, but also based president of France. We still don't know um, what the situation. Why, why is he based? Uh, but, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Well, he's 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 vaguely okay. So this year has kind of had a few interesting pieces of rumor slipped out in, in like the French political scene. Number one, there is a very prominent political rumor in France that in the last year or so, uh, Macron has become obsessed with Camp of the Saints, the the book. Um, this is the guy that, was- that posed with half-naked African men sweating, sweating on themselves 
uh, embracing, or he was embracing them. I don't even know what it was, but it was. The well, now you know they were constituents, now Adam. Well, now, <laughs> well, now respect you know, the will of the people. Now you know the gay rumors. The glistening now you, now you Africans. Deeply interested in camp of the saints. Like, oh, this is a best case scenario for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, there's a couple other interesting things. This whole year, France has basically been locking its borders and uh, has actually undertaken somewhat of a, like a deportation agenda. But more interesting is the political developments in France where Macron's political rivals are gaining extremely well in power and he's sort of lost his luster as a novel politician. And he could have gone one of two ways. He could have gone further left or further right. And he's gone deeply further right on the immigration and economic agenda publicly. But more interesting was in October, he made some pretty benign and anodyne public statements about Islam in France, basically saying uh, that it, uh, radical Islam is not and multiculturalism are not compatible with the French Republic is how he framed it. The reaction to this was extreme and out of nowhere. You had Imran Khan and Erdogan, two pretty big time Muslim world leaders, uh, frame him as Satan incarnate. Um, there was even a prominent Turkish magazine, which basically like drew him up as Satan uh, for making these comments. There was an exchange of words with the Malaysian prime minister where he basically threatened armed conflict with France. It was very – the whole thing was strange and felt um, obviously coordinated. This was in the response to the church killings, correct? Yes, yes. yes. This yes. is basically because Macron is feeling the heat politically that he cannot continue to ignore this stuff in France. And their reaction to it was severe. Now, what was also curious was how like the Anglo-American media establishment framed this whole row. And they framed France as an Islamophobic, racist country that needs to atone for colonialism and its relationship with Islam. In fact, I think it was in the New York Times that this was discussed, that France is experiencing this public backlash globally because of its long history with Islam and colonialism. It was the whole thing was totally weird because Macron is not exactly like uh, Orban or he's a neoliberal or Bolsonaro. He's a Rothschild banker. Too. Yeah, yeah, he's literally a Rothschild banker. But if the you know, it was very curious. This became some kind of public row, and that he didn't back down. It's he still was, ongoing, too. It's I mean, still just, ongoing, and he's just, refused to apologize. He's, he's explicitly said he's not going to apologize, and he has reiterated that he thinks that um, Islam needs to adapt if it wants to stay in France, and this is no longer tolerable. What I think that says, and we haven't really talked a lot about France this year, um, again, mostly due to the virus, but France politically is kind of coming apart at the seams where – um, most of the population no longer really feels an attachment to the central government in Paris. And they feel like the central government's really betrayed them and has totally 
fucked up the economy and destroyed their immigration agenda. And so I think uh, he is doing this in order to stay in power and then didn't realize that if you carry the weight of a semi-powerful country like France and you criticize Islam on the global stage, um, the global Muslim intifada is going to like come after you and frame you as the devil. The whole, I mean, I still can't believe that. Oh yeah. There was a a former president of like Malaysia or something that was basically calling for, I can't remember if it was like the death of uh, of all French people or something. Like he was basically yeah. calling for guerrilla warfare against French Who, citizens. Uh, Matahir Mohammed, he he's pretty something based, like that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what he's his business is with European politics, but yeah, I don't know. I think that, anyways, that whole story was I think overshadowed by the election, but it was totally bizarre. Um, you even have um, like prominent. Muslim socialites online and I captured this one as like uh, Western states, namely France in this case, should consider themselves very fortunate that in the absence of a Muslim ruler who yields enough global collective clout and backbone hasn't declared war on them. And it's it's just these people are so tiresome to deal with. Like it really like it's so like, like why do we have to be why do we have to suffer their opinions? Like this really is. I, God damn it! All the people because they have power. Fucking Bedouins. What I, what I was going to mention when I uh, when I said it's going on to this day is that just today in the news it came out that one of Macron's uh, advisors had lunch with uh, Mar- Marine Marechal, the niece of Marine Le Pen. So it's only going to fuel even more this idea that this is Macron is trying to court the far court the far right yeah he needs it to stay in power and i think that his calculation is that france is going to be in a total state of a collapse in five years if he doesn't you know try and get a hold of this scenario because it's only a matter of time before the french reach the point where there's been one too many beheaded priests yeah and beheaded teachers like when that point comes, I don't know, but I can't imagine it's going to go on much longer. Um, and it's particularly strange for the Muslims to be doing this in France, where the French are still a very clear majority and still have control of the military and the police force. I'm not sure why the Muslims feel emboldened. France is probably a place they really ought not to be doing that sort of thing. If you want to like abuse the locals and get away with it, go to the U.K., but France is still not a place where I think that that is going to work out in the long term for the Muslim agenda. The only other story I had for October was that um, Juniper Networks, which is the um, which is a networking company, they manufactured networking software and hardware. Um, they had a back door that was disclosed in their gear and it was actually placed at the request of the NSA. Didn't this happen years ago though? This sounds like an old story. Well, this was, this was reported. This was reported in, in October. This is what I have marked. Maybe I'm wrong, but this was basically, um, uh, what happened was Juniper had this backdoor in its gear and the NSA informed, uh, Ron Wyden, who's the Senator from Oregon, that they um, they wrote a report on it, and uh, 
and they apparently lost the document that, re- that pertained to this uh, this specific piece of information. So it is. I think that people should at least be aware, even if it's a slightly old story, that uh, most, if not all, of the networking hardware that you are indirectly utilizing is uh, is compromised in some well, way. L- let me ask you this, because I've never had the... Uh patience or autism whichever goes first uh to get into the tcp ip protocol stuff um i i thought i thought everything you send over most modern browsers is encrypted i mean so what what is the router uh what can they do to break that i don't understand how they there's if there's a backdoor to the router maybe they can get like the the IP addresses of the the recipient and sender, but other than that, can they read the content? It, it's not about intercepting your browser traffic. It's about corporate and industrial espionage primarily for this purpose. That's what Juniper is really there for. And in this case, it kind of relates to what happened in December with the disclosure of the Solar Winds Act. Um, that effectively most of the American industrial and corporate sphere is definitely backdoored by the NSA and on more than one occasion it is compromised by, by foreigners for some purpose. And Juniper did this at the behest of the NSA without really putting up a fight but the problem was that not only was it compromised, but they did not adequately inform their customers in time that certain pieces of networking equipment had been compromised. So even if you're you're not really intercepting browser traffic, it's more like if you get onto a switch or you get onto a managed networking key or you get onto a central networking server or whatever, then you can start intercepting traffic, you can start sniffing for open ports, and you can start interrupting actual servers. It's not necessarily about yeah, intercepting. So, so it's uh, it's corporate intranet, ethernet traffic between yeah. file servers and but stuff But also, like that. if you're visiting a website and the servers on the other where that website is being hosted is compromised, then yes, you are compromised. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah, on the back end, they could see that. Well, look, I've got a, I've got two more that I think are worth mentioning. Um, one I'll just I'll just throw in as a, as a quick one to torture Titus. Uh, MIT scientists extremely skeptical of Elon Musk's creepy neuroscience theater Neuralink chip. Uh, <laughs> I saw a demo of this thing. It's it's just like, I don't know, they drilled a hole in some guy's head and you know, it's like, well, it doesn't work yet, but you know, in five years we anticipate, you know, once the uh the singularity is happening, like, oh God, whatever. I, um, so Adam, just like I I I genuinely am curious now, um, like what is your fascination with this guy? Because I, and, and again, like I, I I don't mean to be I don't No, I don't that's fine. I can explain mean it. or rude. I you know I love you. But like from what from my perspective of Elon Musk is that, as you said, it's it's he's, uh, uh, you know, a, a P.T. Barnum, uh, yeah. just goofball who yeah. has made obscene amounts of money based on like stock speculation. And like that's no, no, I, I don't think that's f- quite f- 
fair. He's not, he's not just a day trader. I mean, he's built companies and he has a very long track record of it. I mean, look, bottom line, I, I want to, I want to believe that there's an entrepreneur out there that's capable of delivering the goods. And I am unfortunately wanting and finding many of them these days. And so if I had to pick one, you know, he would be at the, at the top of the list or near the top. Uh, you know, of course there's like, you know, very unknown, quiet researchers and engineers and, uh, you know, good business people that produce uh, great stuff that we all depend on food, medicine, whatever. But, uh, I do like that he harnesses, uh, and you know, he's, he's my favorite African. I mean, he comes from, uh, South Africa and he came to the United States and it's very famous that he said this, that, uh, you know, if you want to get things done in the world, you got to come to the U S and somebody asked him recently from the wall street journal, if, if he still thinks that's true. And he sort of, you know, paused a little bit and, but he said, you know, yes, yes, U S is a great country. Uh, there, there are problems, but, uh, what I, miss at least what i believed in when i was growing up was that america was a very special place i mean the airplane the light bulb the internet all of these amazing uh breakthroughs happened here and i i still part of me wants to believe that 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 rugged individual entrepreneurial spirit is still possible so he he is a avatar for that hope and uh, no. is he perfect? No. That's very. But, that's very sweet. No, I know. I, I, and, 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 and yeah. I'm not being dismissive or, or like sarcastic. That's actually, that's that's. I, I'm I'm touched by that, Adam. I hope you're right. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, no, I, I nice. believe I believe you, and I and and I I hope he's he's sincere. I mean, I've seen a lot of interviews of him, and he basically he doesn't like stuff that I don't like. I mean, he's sick of the political correctness in California. He's sick of the, the red tape that they're shutting down his factory, you know, and uh, he's making ventilators basically because they forced him to. And, uh, you know, the auto workers can't get a job anymore because California is such a horrendous place to do business. Um, he's, he's, He's pointing these things out. Very few CEOs are, are gutsy enough to do that. Uh, he criticizes the uh, recently. He criticized the MBAization of the country, uh, focusing more on uh, spreadsheets and meetings rather than actually focus on building products. I mean, these are all things I believe in. And like, find me yeah. another guy who says this stuff. Like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. You know, who's actually successful? I mean, I say it, but you know, I don't have a rocket ship <laughs> company. <laughs> so, but so yeah, I, you know, there you go. But um, and, and thanks for, for uh, the last, inquiring. The last uh, American industrialist, would that be? So far. Fair thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a few others that have tried. I mean, the, you know, but anyway, the, he's, he's at the top of the list. Um, so, uh, yeah, but yeah, some of it is silly. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, uh, that he's put out Neuralink, I'm quite skeptical of. Um, Big one, though, was I think that we need to not forget is the, the fires that happened in California and throughout the West. Uh, th- this was this was like the year for just this stuff. I mentioned at the beginning that uh, the fires in Australia in January were 180 people were arrested and being accused of arson. Uh, you want to talk about trial runs or patterns? Um Antifa was was caught at least a couple times uh, lighting fires along highways in Oregon. Uh, 
yeah, th- this isn't all lightning strikes. I mean, sure, weather, of course, always plays a factor. It's played a factor for billions of years, but um, the the extent to which this happened, where the entire San Francisco Bay Area was literally looking like Blade Runner, uh, the skies were orange, burnt orange, literally. Uh, something yeah. was up. So, you know, make of it what you will, but I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish, uh, the greatest, uh, practical joke ever committed, um, by a country, which, which would be the Australian selling California eucalyptus trees. Um, which I do think is, is probably the greatest prank ever pulled, uh, on geopolitics, which, I, I do think is is certainly uh, at blame for at least the uh, the rapidness and of of the conflagration uh, that that has been occurring um, in certain yeah, coastal I, I, areas, yes, but not not yes. in the mountains. Yes, you no, know, correct. Um, yeah, I, I I think um, yeah, yeah the, the the motives of of our enemies uh, sometimes bewilder and. Uh, I don't know. Like it, it just might be. It, it, again, it, this this just might be. You know, uh, you know, evil sometimes doesn't have to be explained. Uh, it it sometimes is just wanton and cruel. And uh, this just might be that. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I can't speak to the motives of of people whom uh, should be liquidated without. Well, wasn't one of these fires caused by a gender reveal party? That was a a different fire uh, in Arizona. It was uh, no, that was in uh, California. I think that was in California. That was in California. So that was Southern California. It was like out in the desert. Uh, It was a border patrol agent, uh, I believe. Uh, What? So it was fault. Yeah. Well, it was uh, you know border patrol agents evidently have families too. Uh, Either border patrol or ATF. I want to say border no, 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 patrol. No, no. It was the the El Dorado fire and was ignited by like a family having a gender reveal party at their hillside home. Okay, and I think there, there have been a... multiple fires generated by gender reveal parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the, the, fl- the meaning of flamer really took on uh, added meaning this year. <laughs> so we actually did a show on this a couple months ago, and we chatted about it a lot. I mean. Um, the total damage from the wildfires in California was, uh, about this year, 4.3 million acres of, uh, of damage, uh, about 33 people died. And, uh, one of the more interesting facets of this seems to be, uh, the continuing decline of PG&E and their inability to prevent wildfires, as well as obviously what appeared to be um, mass arson. There were several people arrested along the highway, along the the five freeway, which runs through California um, for starting fires um, in the middle of the intersection or I'm sorry, in the middle of the highway or starting fires right next to the highway. Uh, and there appeared to be a very specific pattern by which the fires were sort of gradually starting one after another in rapid succession 
really starting uh, heavily in uh, August and then all the way through September and uh, in October. And uh, it, it really just kept getting more and more out of control. One of the bigger ones this year was in, uh, in November, and it was the, uh, the Mountain View fire. And I think that not only is it likely arson, but it's also just the complete calamity of forestry management in California and a complete calamity of Californian energy management that this continues to happen. Um, it, it seems like a sign that the state is just in free fall and no one really seems to know what to do or cares enough on trying to figure out what to do about it. And also it was, it was poignant that, uh, Around that in November, uh, of course, Gavin Newsom, the premier of California, was caught yeah. at a nice little luncheon yep. at uh, $850 a plate French laundry, which is uh, very curious. Um, of course, people forget the part of the story where he actually lied about it at first when it was reported, I want to say by the Sacramento Bee, that. Um, that he had gone to this party, he tried to come up with a whole explanation of what happened. He went out and he said, well, we were social distancing. It was outside. We wore masks. It was a limited gathering for only an hour. And then a few days later, Bill Mulligan of, uh, of Fox obtained photos of the party which showed the exact opposite of that happening. They were indoors, they were in close quarters, no masks, no protection, uh, no distancing, and it was really about a four-hour lunch. And uh, they likely spent uh, $20,000 or $30,000 on their, their meals uh, during that time. So Wait, Hold on, hold on. This is November. Wasn't there... Was there uh an election or something in November? Something like that. He, he skipped ahead because we were talking about California, but we haven't done yeah. October yet. Uh, 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 wait, we're done with October. No. Nope. We, we talked about trick-or-treating. No, we didn't. No, CDC was, was, was giving you a warning before Halloween that you can't have fun. Oh. So now this is November? Time, time is fluid on this podcast, Nick Mason. Are we there yet? Time's a flat circle, Nick. <laughs> the, uh, the completion is to I be... Even I got confused there for a sec. Jesus Christ. Well, you contributed right, to wrap, it. Let's wrap this up. I'm going to start doing some cocaine. Stay awake here. So November... <laughs> Things are looking great. <laughs> Was there an election? I think everybody right. was like October wow. didn't happen. A bright, uh, bright ray of hope in an otherwise desolate year. Then three a.m. happened. In yeah. Georgia, ballots where the voter only voted for president. Trump, eight hundred eighteen. Biden, ninety-five thousand eight hundred one. But there's no evidence <laughs> of fraud. Uh, yeah. I can go on. We've gone on at infinitum. I have an interesting chart, though, which I'll put up on the uh, slideshow. The donors uh, don't have the source for this, uh, but it's sort of a bubble graph where it shows uh, the magnitude 
and uh, group clustering by uh, political affiliation uh, as it sort of leaned red or blue. Uh, and it, it shows all the different professions as they donated to uh, Biden or Trump. Uh, so essentially imagine, if you can't see it, it's a large balloon uh, that's very top-heavy with blue on the top and a very small, slender uh whatever entry entry part whatever you call that on the balloon at the bottom that is red so uh, in other words uh much more money from the uh biden people was pumped into this election at least at the small scale um then the uh, red uh trump supporters and the blue donators were heavily in the uh, aspirational professional class uh, if you've ever seen that uh feudalism now uh, pyramid comparison to paneler where it shows uh, how you know the kings and then the dukes and the knights and the uh, all the etc a feudal uh, ranking uh, status hierarchies uh, eventually bottomed out at the peasantry in the bottom uh, this would put the, uh, the sort of blue people kind of one rung above the uh, the basement level cast and then the basement level cast is basically the Republicans. It's, it's quite an inversion of the traditional Democrat Republican split where the Democrats were much more for the working class and the Republicans. Were well, the Republicans the definitely money. are a basement kind of people. Yeah, I won't disagree. Uh, it, it's, it's a pretty pathetic party, but the, uh, examples I'll give are, uh, the biggest don donors were the teachers. I get, there's a lot of teachers. Uh, they don't make that much, but collectively they really love Democrats. Uh, that was a big one. Professors, similar thing, lawyers, nurses. Um, those are pretty hardcore blue, uh, in the middle sort of were your, engineers, uh, actual real engineers, not software engineers, um, salespeople. Uh, once you get into real estate though, they start leaning a little bit more, uh, pink, uh, sort of grayish pink, uh, pastors, firefighters, uh, business owners are now getting red. And then you got truckers, you got, uh, <laughs> the disabled are on disability, hardcore Trump supporters. Um, you got the mechanics, you got the electricians, you got the welders, you got the machinists, basically people who build things uh, like Trump. Uh, and then you got uh, the, the furthest end of the spectrum, pro-Trump homemakers. How about that? Making babies and making, making dinner. So good on them. But unfortunately, it just didn't make enough of a difference this time around. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many of these people are disillusioned from GOP politics or politics in general uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, I think a lot of things are contingent on or at least affected by uh, how things go down uh, in a week. Yeah, this whole like January 6th uh, protest Trump is trying to pull together. I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I don't even I don't even know if he's like trying to put it together per se. Like he's like Trump has never asked for his supporters to do something. Yeah. Like the most that he has said about January 6th is wow, I hear it's a big protest could be crazy. 
was something to that effect. It was like, hey, did you see on the news? Like that that tier of inane boomer posting. Yep. I agree. So, I mean, either the QAnon folks are right, and, uh, you know, he's he's got it so in the bag that he can be golfing and, you know, frankly, doesn't uh, really need anyone's support, only their adulation, uh, or uh, he doesn't intend on, I mean, I guess either way, he doesn't intend on doing anything that requires a, a large uh, crowd of uh, loyal supporters uh, in any particular place. So good luck to him. Yeah, uh, I, I have to. I have to ask uh, ask you, gentlemen. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think we all became disillusioned uh, with the Trump project pretty much at the same time. Um, Two thousand seventeen ish, maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, I still felt I, I probably that, held on longer than many. I mean, I, I could see the same things, but uh, I thought he, geez, how many years do you need to put up a fucking, you know, simple piece of technology that's been around for 5,000 years for God's sakes. But yeah. Okay. I was wrong. Yeah. Well, I, you know, even with all of that and, and you know, that I've, I've had really nothing but, uh, a pretty sort of visceral disdain for the man for the past few years. I couldn't help but feel, I wouldn't say sad, um, but just a, 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 an emotional sort of, re, you know, sort of gut reaction to to him losing the way that he did. Um, I, I think, I think, uh, I, I think sort of the best, uh, descriptor for it would actually be pity I, I i actually do genuinely pity this guy um for for all of the qualities that i liked about him the the you know him him shit stirring him you know being a, a goofball him genuinely being funny um there was nothing else there there was no will to actually change anything there was it was just this sort of feminine bitching uh, about being the world's most powerful person. And again, as we said earlier in this episode, he didn't have an organization to, you know, fulfill, you know, his campaign promises. He was, you know, uh, uh, thwarted at every term. He was almost, I mean, he was impeached by the house. I mean, you have all these, you know, genuine things that, that the, 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 the people who, who put him into office failed him in, in many ways as, as, as he failed, his constituents. Um, but regardless of all of that, I, I, I do feel, I, I don't know. I, 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 I was, I not going to lie. I was, I was bummed out, uh, after the election results, I mean, even it, though I, I didn't vote, I wasn't emotionally invested. It, it's a classical tragedy. He hmm. was put into a situation by fate that, through hubris, he thought that he had under his control, and in reality, he was completely ill-equipped for the task at hand. Yeah. Like, you can have pity on him as a tragic uh, would-be hero who, you know, in 1992 
uh, would have been a fantastic president. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I think he saved us from the uh, the delightful prospect of a Yeb or you know Cruz. I don't know who even would have been the Trump alternative. He dominated it so immediately, uh, or more likely Hillary uh, candidacy. So I don't know. He <sighs> Trump. Trump's. I I think I was maybe one of the. I got more long-term believers in at least the idea of it all. And I think that to date, his best thing that he did was stave off to an extent um, the complete dismantlement of the country. And there were a lot of small incremental victories or even campaigns that maybe ended in defeat or didn't work that he at least undertook. And I think that he himself has a good eye for understanding how bad the country really is doing. At every turn, though, I think that Trump, his greatest accomplishment has been in being thwarted and attacked and having the entire government basically run a string of intelligence operations against him has exposed how corrupt it all really is and how there are deep levels of machinations taking place that you can't even really comprehend. There are millions of people who work day in, day out to kind of uh, disenfranchise you and to make your country into something else. And in fighting that or even just being the target of it and not fighting it, he incidentally exposed all of it. Someone, I can't remember who, but someone made a good point recently that the level of public awareness of how fucked up the country has become has really been heightened due to him, due to him highlighting certain issues either in the campaign or in the presidency or just the tactics that were employed against him being heightened to the national stage and for everyone to see in real time and be exposed. I think that was what he was really uh, doing. If he was doing anything at all was being a good target and for you to see how it all really works. The, the Russia gate hoax to me was very illustrative of how the U.S. government really operates on a fundamental level. And we were able to at least finally kind of pinpoint what it exactly is these people will do if you ever start to challenge them. Because for a long time, I think the dissident scene as it evolved always had this question of, well, what if we actually got into power, what if we attempted to, what would they do to us if we tried? And I think it became very apparent what these people can uh, do and will do. And that really just kind of scraped the surface of their capabilities. And so uh, Trump had, I think, you know, good incremental victories, and he at least did some things right, and he had a good head on where the country was really and what needed to be done. But ultimately, he staved off what would have been a nightmare scenario with someone like Clinton as president. 
and he staved off, um, I think, large parts of what we're now seeing as sort of this this new sort of great reset idea. And Trump really acted as a bulwark for, okay, you know, you want your manufacturing back. You want a decent, safe community lifestyle. You want cleanliness. You want um, respectability. You want good foreign relations. You don't want endless hordes of foreigners. You want a strong labor market. All those are great things. And here, by the way, is here are all the methodologies and tactics by which the entrenched power will use against you if you try and enact any of that. I thought it was interesting when um, I think that Trump often his biggest problem, and you really saw this in the run up to the election and after the election, he didn't really seem to understand the tools at his disposal as president until much later on. And so I think that the doldrums were really late 2017 through mid-2019 when he seemed very incapable of tackling a lot of these problems. And then it sort of clicked that there are certain ways I can go about doing this and there are certain things I can do to help people and there are certain tactics I can employ to sort of enact what I want. One of the more interesting things that he did definitely in the run-up to the election was firing the head of the Tennessee Valley Authority. Now, I want to say that Trump didn't even probably realize this was an issue or didn't realize he had the authority to do that, but he did. And it all it took was some lobbyist group that's actually a, one of the few lobbyist groups that works on behalf of American citizens, the U.S. Tech Workers Group, to yell loud enough to get his attention and to call attention to the fact that U.S. federal government contract employees were being outsourced um, and were being and their jobs were being taken away from them, and the head of the Tennessee Valley Authority was a multimillionaire. Trump saw that and saw that there were enough people incensed about it, and someone told him, or he figured it out on his own, that, by the way, you have the authority to, in five minutes, undo all of that. And he did. Now, where that where that kind of tactic was the last few years, I don't know. But I think that he didn't really get that he had a lot more power and authority to do what he wanted to do and do what he needed to do when he needed to do it until much later in the game. And by then it was kind of too late, I think, in a lot of ways. Um Ultimately, you know, the way I kind of viewed the election blow, it, the, the election fallout was that it was fascinating to see the level to which these people will stoop to win an election. And they sort of employed third world electioneering tactics that uh, are like, you know, Cold War Africa tier to, to actually win. And they did it in such a sloppy and fast way that it was kind of exposed and obvious to everyone that something was amiss. So Trump himself didn't do – maybe didn't do a great job. I don't know. 
the very least, his presence there has highlighted and illustrated just how bad everything really is and how these people work, which was maybe the most important part as we actually learned something about uh, – what our enemy, who our enemies are. A lot of these people in this, in these processes, ended up revealing themselves often, and what it is they're willing to do, which should give you insight into if this opportunity ever kind of comes up again, what you need to prepare for. You need to prepare for them labeling you a foreign agent. You need to be prepared for them trying to mount a coup against you. You need to be prepared for them to burn down whole cities. To try I, and, on this, and, and sorry, get your attention on, on this topic of what they're willing. Let, let me to get do. my uh, real quick. Uh, please go ahead. Um, this doesn't just apply to the president of the United States. The fact that it's happening to the president, I think, should wake people up to the fact that they'll go to any length to stop people who are supposedly the most powerful in the world, which obviously isn't true. But this year has been. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to run. Uh, Klaus Schwab, as uh, our friend Hans here likes to call him, the uh, great Mortal Kombat villain from Switzerland, uh, he's, uh, according to uh, Paul Joseph Watson again, so uh, just remember the the source, the headline may be slightly exaggerated, but nonetheless, the idea, I I believe, is probably correct. Uh, Great Reset Mastermind suggests risk assessment brain scans before allowing travel. As I mentioned, the the travel this year uh, through the airports was horrible. Uh, Cancellations, delays, uh, forced uh, sit-down, no no more water or food delivered, uh, wear your mask at all times, uh, TSA times 1,000 on the plane, back into uh, United trying to force uh, testing before getting on the plane, uh, reserving the right to kick you off. you are not allowed to, to move anymore. I mean, nobody is uh, free uh, anywhere on the planet. That, that's the insidious, insidiousness of this, this uh, plague uh, psyop. Uh, you can't see it. You don't know where it is. I mean, unlike global warming, it's actually uh, somewhat of a uh, kinetic vector uh, that can kill you, not just make you... Uh, perspire slightly uh, it, it's like it's just it, it's so it's so much more uh, scary uh and so it's just uh they, they're they're going for the, the the takedown nick i took took longer than i thought so go ahead please yeah i'll give i'll give my take i i didn't talk i didn't talk about trump much for the past four years i i think people who listen for long enough know more today and what I will say, because I know the post, post, the postmortem will continue. I mean, people will be talking about this for I don't know how long, but I didn't vote for them to make absolutely zero assumptions about what his motivations are. And that's kind of the main problem I had with a lot of people who chimed in on Trump and uh, a lot of people who put their dog in the fight was that they assumed a lot about the man. I, I assumed nothing about the man. And... You know, in 2016, I was just like you boys and just like everyone listening to the show. I was really happy to see who was crying over Trump's win. That was the best part of all of this, you know, and hey, nothing will ever take that from us. That was a fun time. Right. But that's all it really was. It was a fun time. And I think all of you will agree. 
uh, since it's been said already on this on this show just now that the man didn't build anything that will last. He didn't build anything that won't, these people won't be able to sweep away. And so when I look at it at the end of the day, I'm I'm ultimately happy he lost because we're getting old. You know, I mean, like we've been doing this. This is again episode 200. We're getting older, and America's going to take its course. And I say, just like let's fucking get the show on the road because it's going to come sooner or later. And I would like to see it happen when we're young enough. Mm. You know, the, the myth of Trump and what these people are going to try to prop up. Sure. The vultures will be out. They'll be picking at the corpse of this. And the more people who are disillusioned, the more people who drop out, I say all the better because this is headed only one way as far as I'm concerned. And I'd just like to see us get there quicker. You're here. Endorse. We can even end it there. I mean, yeah, let's just end it there. I'm yeah. fucking exhausted. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's see how. What's our What's our clock? Oh wait, but you don't want to hear my summary? No, 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 no. No, include all this. Include all this because here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, no, no. We, we passed the four hour it. mark, so I can I can rapid fire this whole fucking thing. What? Wait, 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 wait. All right, give us. So I didn't read the news. I didn't, I didn't pay much attention. Adam has been chron- He's been chronicling this entire shit show of a year. So the way I operate is I just leave it to Adam to do this so that at the end of each year, I can get a summary of what took place. So as this program was going on, I took some notes, okay? And my notes, unlike Adam's notes, will go very quick. I'm going to just uh, shoot off what I learned from 2020 just in rapid fire. You ready? Here we go. In no particular order, we have Hollywood sex perverts, sex perverts, Mossad agent sex perverts, journalist sex perverts, plagues, bioweapons, oogaboogas, white liberals revolting against the working class, uh, Elon Musk, uh, billionaires making a lot of money, uh, Chinese and Indians hacking each other to death at 16,000 feet, uh, Elon Musk, uh, <laughs> Islamo-fetishist Frenchmen, Etruscan demonology, uh, billionaire humble book merchants becoming dope merchants, guerrilla warfare as the new entertainment, TikTok, Elon Musk, Inferno (laughs) swallowing the globe, boom, occult rituals, uh, eucalyptus trees, uh, orange man losing, and then I have a tally of the winners and losers of 2020. Here we go. Uh, here's the L. Who takes the L in 2020? The L goes to children, the white working class, and niggers. <laughs> Who takes the W? The W goes to Jews, libs, nerds, perverts, the security state, and government employees. Have a happy fucking new year. Hard endorse. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> End it there, man. That was yeah. awesome. That was good. That was great. <laughs> As a as a post as a postscript, um, leaving on such a sour note, I, I would like to say the the one, the best thing, uh, the Trump presidency has done for me personally, um, is getting to meet all of you guys and uh, considering you bosom companions and uh, friends for life. And I and I sincerely mean that. It's uh, I guess the uh, 2016 plan trusting uh was the friends that we made all, all, all along the way so i uh 
Hey, right, right back at you, bro. I, I don't think any of us would be sticking around and doing this if there weren't some quality people we've been able oh, to yeah. meet. Hell yeah. And read. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, that's the only yeah. Here, here. Fam- families are being, are being created out of it. Is <laughs> would I, I would not have a baby on the way were it not for internet racism. God, you and your wife and your baby, poor so you just talk, 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 talk. Hey, talk. You're not the you're only fucking one, bro. Reader. <laughs> All right, guys. Happy New Year. I'm sick of sitting around.